1: No, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're a video. But that's the evidence
0: in the car. But I was going to Natasha station to pick up some power converters. Always oh, like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This week we come down the home stretch of our now laughably named March Madness wrestling bracket. Yes, it took us like a month and a half to get through this and when we see today's bracket you'll understand why. This is our final region, the 2010s, an era of professional wrestling of which I have damn near no knowledge whatsoever. So allow me to replace my normally pithy comments with this observation. This is probably the decade that finally pushed Uncle Corny over the edge. So stick around and find out who comes out on top of our brackets as the greatest wrestler of all time in this episode 131, Gas, Food, Lodging, and Suplex City. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who has heat with Shane McMahon over his use of the coast-to-coast top rope dropkick. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and hails from the mean streets of Dover, New Hampshire. I give you the man they call Tim.
2: Me and R V D. We we have an issue with that coast to coast because
0: uh know that
2: piloted that one. It's called the Van Terminator. And uh, he, he he brought it out in, on only special occasions and Shane had to go and, you know, make it all pop culture. So now wasn't didn't he used to do that with a chair over the guy's face or something
0: too? Yes,
2: yes. RVD would do it with a chair. Yeah. And then Shane uh, basically did it with one of those like, you know, like garbage cans made out of the thinnest you know aluminum known oh yeah so i mean like like literally he would barely touch it it would just like cave in like like you hit it like at 100 miles an hour it's like oh good god it's amazing to me
0: when you look at the the ring work of shane mcmahon just some of the athletic athleticness he could pull off and yet Mm -hmm. the worst punches ever yeah like ever Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, when when he goes into that that whole
2: flurry, juke, you know, juke, jump and jive sort of thing, uh, it's just like, oh, good lord,
0: just no, please, can't we get a fez press or something, something a little less ridiculous?
2: He did fall from an uh, obscene height on on multiple occasions. Uh, well, yeah, uh,
0: and that's why his hamstring of just finally get his quad <laughs> gave out on.
2: Him. <laughs> Probably his quad was terrified. Like, what are you
0: going to jump off next?
2: Ah! Oh. <laughs> It's like, I'm done. I'm I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to tear myself and we're all done. (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, how are you doing, sir? I am good. I'm good. How are you? You know, uh, I'm not too bad. I am upright, I am mobile, and uh, I'm you're on the right doing... side of the, the lawn or <laughs> however you I'm, put it one, I'm sorry. doing I'm told I'm doing very well. Uh, I don't know if I trust people, but yes, I'm told I'm doing very well. Oh
2: yeah, I woke
0: up on the right side of the lawn, mean jeans. <laughs> you just yeah. you kinda love to work that into everything, aren't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Uh well we are going to finally, finally. Dear God, our national na- nightmare is nearly over, folks. We're going to finally finish our wrestling brackets this episode. Uh, come hell or high water, Lord willing, and the crick don't rise. Uh, but before we do that, <laughs> we have to get into a little something we like to call the Week Geek. Geek. So, so funky what do you got for us this time around sir uh,
2: well our, our weekend geek uh, this episode is really gonna just center on uh, just two uh, just amazing episodes from from uh, two highly touted shows right now both uh, from from really the the apex of, of sci-fi storytelling we have on the one hand uh, Star Trek: Picard, Episode Nine, Vox, uh, and then uh, and then Star Wars: Mandalorian, Season Three, Episode Seven, uh, and uh, of course, I, uh, Chapter Twenty Three, I guess is what it would be called because <laughs> it doesn't really have a name. Yeah. Um, but uh, just oh my gosh, two two just amazing episodes of uh, you know just from both franchises, and and thought it apropos for us to kind of give them a hot take uh, since they both aired last week. Uh, this week, we're going to have, uh, in in the case of Picard, the series finale, because this yes. is going to be it, and in the case of Mando, the season finale, and so just thought we would... Uh dive in with some hot takes on those episodes and, and, you know, maybe get a couple of thoughts, a, a couple of predictions, uh, you know, what, what may happen in these finales respectively. Uh, so yeah. So, so let's starting, uh, first with Star Trek Picard episode nine Vox. And, and you may be wondering why we're not talking about the other episodes. We haven't planned this out. Maybe we can do kind of a review of the season overall, mm. but nine, uh, as we will get into in just a moment here, nine, uh, this this Vox episode, sir, was like goosebump-inducing. Uh, yes, Dusty in the room.
0: <laughs> and I'm oh, not, I'm not talking about Dusty hard times. I'm talking about oh, baby, it was all the emotions were coming out. Let me tell you, it was, oh, yes. it was a one one thing after another. It was beautiful, baby, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful, daddy. <laughs> Just like we planned it.
2: Oh my gosh. And, and surprisingly, uh, and, and, you know, as I've watched every episode of Picard this season, they, and they just get better and better and it's just been such a strong, strong season. I keep thinking about uncle Todd and, 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 and the, the, the emotions and and feelings he had after season two and, and "Ah, I'm not going to believe in season three, season three is going to be garbage. Uh, I didn't say
0: that. I said, I said, I was, I, I was not, prepared to be excited about it given the how season two how horrible it was i said i could not i i couldn't give them the benefit of the doubt Mm. um and i mean i'm i'm saying this right now unless they completely crap the bed in this in the seat in the series finale i can't think of another you know another television series another streaming series another movie series really Mm-hmm. where you had solid 1 absolutely abysmal mm-hmm. 2 and then coming out and like just overshooting all expectations and actually mm-hmm. doing better than where you started to follow up for a third i can't remember anything like this it is dumbfounding to me i'm watching the show and i'm like i can't believe this is the same show mm-hmm that i that follows season two they seem like completely it seems like a completely different show like i I don't understand how there's any continuity it's almost like an entirely different production team directing. like everyone had to have been different it -hmm. feels like how did these two be how are these two produced in any fashion by the same by any kind of people in common yeah. Cuz the 2 is in my opinion garbage. Yeah. Absolute garbage. Poor storytelling, poor poor structure, poor everything. I liked it. There was there was nothing about it that I thought was even worthwhile mentioning in the same breath as season 1 or especially the 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 original Next Generation TV series. It was just wretched. To me it was like Like, they they decided to cut the budget in half. They're like, well, what do we do now? We can't do any effect shots. I guess we'll do a time travel story so everything can be in (laughs) present day. This I I keep watching this series every episode going, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like, unless they really crapped the bed this last episode. Like, comeback story of in in sci-fi of, like, the last couple decades. I can't can't place this in any any kind of context. It's ridiculous. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, we do have that one more episode. So I, I, I'm still nervous because I really want this to land well. I really do. I'm rooting for them. Uh, makes me a little nervous. We're back to the Borg. We're back to the Borg. I did ask you that. Uh, I was wondering how you were feeling about the
2: fact that they went
0: back to the well we, we talked about that they should not go back to. I, I'm not happy about it. I'm not, I mean, I, okay, let's put it this way. I'm not excited about it. All right. Once again, it's my, it's the reason why I think that the Borg should not have been a part of last season. You had had too many bad guys. And unfortunately now you're deciding to share a bad guy because again, we're talking about the queen again. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, but anyways, but at least this time it feels like it makes some kind of sense. Mm Mm-hmm. There there's fewer gaps in in what's going on. It feels like there's actual consequences. I mean, we as we were in the latter part of this episode, we are listening to like Starfleet personnel getting mowed down by the hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of crazy like that is something we have not heard in 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 star trek before that's oh, that's almost a Battlestar galactica-esque thing where you're just offing people en masse mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um but it, at least it feels like there's some weight and gravity to what's going on whereas before it felt like no matter what happened meh, everything is fine you know this one actually feels like there's some weight and gravitas to the actions and the the reactions that are going on so I'll ride through it and see how it goes. I'm real. I'm rooting for them, but I'm. I mean, there. I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a little part of me that's just a little bit nervous. Just a little bit nervous. All right. All right. Very good. Uh,
2: on on my side, uh, yeah. I mean, I I was this this was. Uh, this was interesting because you weren't quite sure where they were going. Um, you know, the, the prior episode we saw, uh, you know, the the changelings and and sorry, what was the changeling leader name
0: there? Varric, uh, Vatic, Vatic, um, and actually she wasn't the leader she was the she was the captain of that ship but she was always talking to that thing you know she had to slice off her hands so that the face could appear which i'm like that's a really interesting communications device oh i thought that thing was
2: was the borg queen or something like that
0: it, i mean maybe it is they never really right. revealed who that was but that was who was in charge of her cuz that okay. that was giving her all the orders
2: all right well vadik and and her her troop are are uh, outsmarted outwitted uh, by by the bridge crew, um, of course, it all came back down to uh, Data, who who is who has always been Picard's, you know, wild card.
0: <laughs> mm, yes, the ace of the hole, if you will. <laughs>
2: and uh, and so this episode, we we finally understand what has been going on with Picard's son, why what you know where his superpowers kind of come from, and and what what is the voice he's been hearing in his head, and he is in fact wired in with the Borg, and we come to find out that the uh, aromatic syndrome that that Picard had was misdiagnosed. Diagnosed and he was actually uh, implanted with some some code, if you will, that mm. uh, the Borg are now using, and, and his son is now a transmitter. Uh, and so, uh, of course, he, uh, you know, wisely to him, foolishly to everyone else, uh, decides to go and confront the Borg by himself because, you know, if daddy couldn't do it, I can. Yes. And, uh, <laughs>
0: great decision, Shaq. Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, to see that Picard ego has has is genetic, you know, carries through the generations.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And then, as as you said, uh, you know, the Titan tries to make its way back to Frontier Day to to warn everyone, and, and that old Frontier Day thing was a little was kind of funny. It, w- it was like. Uh, like, first of all, it was kind of cool to have the, the, the Shelby character back because she, she was, you know, part of uh, Next Generation for a few episodes. She was part of an mm. arc, I think, in season five or six, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And... Um and i think she was like competing with will for like uh the first officer position or something like that um you know on the enterprise cuz he was kind of wondering about doing his own own thing you know over a course of a few episodes and then uh and then decides to stay of course and she disappears for you know doing something i don't know what
0: yeah only apparently only to show up later on and get off like everybody else like we're trimming all of the timelines is what we're doing like roll aaron nice to see you and thank you yes (laughs) (laughs) thank (laughs) you that's a great point it was
2: it was the niles crane effect it's
0: like all right we're we turning off one. all the loose ends. Everybody going to die. Like, geez, when did this turn into, like, Sopranos in space? It's like a like, Vulcan
2: from, uh, what, Vo- Voyager or Deep Space Nine? Uh, oh, oh, yeah. He,
0: he's really a changeling? Thank you. Tuvok, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're somewhere between Sopranos and Godfather here. It's like, oh, Tuvok? Uh, we oh, won't be man. seeing him no more. Like, oh, jeez. Yep. Who's running this? Yep. Um. But
2: yeah, they so they they try to warn them, and and it, it was just the whole frontier day thing was kind of it felt like this over the top, like you know, look at the grandness of the fleet, and now we're gonna do the fleet
0: formation, and oh yeah, the great the greatest tactical maneuver in all history, like yeah, oh let's get all gosh. the ships in one place right around our headquarters. What could possibly go wrong here?
2: Yes, and and look at us, we're all in sync, and you know we're this mm-hmm. armada now, where we're we're unstoppable, you know. It's just, it's yeah, just like she kept going and going, and then. You know the Borg trigger. Uh, you know, really, they their ace in the hole. In a lot of ways, you know, I texted Uncle Todd about this, and and when I said you got to watch this Picard episode because it is fantastic,
0: I did say it, it did have a little bit of a hint of BSG in here. Oh, you know? totally the entire the Borg thing and the the, oh. the the Cylons taking over through the code and everything. Like, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. All we need was a was a tall blonde strolling down a hallway at some point, and you go, oh wait a minute, nah, we got we got a little copyright going on here
2: yes absolutely so so, yeah, so it was uh, uh so so they're in information, and then, as we come to find out uh it, it really is just affecting um starfleet officers twenty five years and younger are uh you know prone to to this, and so um, which is great,
0: just of, once again blaming the kids of course. blaming the kids
2: like. Indeed. And so, yeah, and so they all, uh, as, as, as Uncle Todd has mentioned already, they, they just start taking out um, all the senior officers. And so, yeah, you see you have the scene of, of Shelby getting basically uh, offed by her crew. Uh, as well as uh, the the screams and and voices of of many senior officers being done in you know by their crew in in spectacular fashion um, while they're still in kind of this locked formation uh, and and then we get to the best part and so the the next generation crew uh, the the old crew uh, sneak away on a shuttle and Jordy has an idea as Jordy tends to have ideas oh, always always and so they they warp away and you know undetected by by this this grand armada that's about to go you know just just uh,
0: crazy on 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 the space dock yeah all the sensors in the entire known universe in one area and this one shuttle is yep like just jetsons out of there like oh no, of course no one would track us
2: jumps in you know i was gonna say jumps into hyperspace but jumps into war
0: um was it too much would it be too much to have like a captain thrace have named and named in that entire thing just to give us a little something something you know there's ESG so. fans in that right in that writer's room
2: i don't think so i i, I think that is uh, duly appropriate uh and so uh yeah we end up back where we found Jordy, which was at at the the ship museum and and then we get what had to be probably just just amazingly done well i mean just mm-hmm. just such a an awesome like 10 minute sequence Where they fly in and sure enough, Jordy's little secret project has been putting the old Enterprise D back together, baby.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, my gosh. And the thing was, you knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. Knew it was. As soon as they introduced the fleet museum thing and Jordy was the curator there and all that, you knew this was coming. But it's still one of those things that even though you know it's coming, it still hits you like a ton of bricks. Oh, my gosh. Because nostalgia is a mother, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh they open up those doors and i'm like i know it's coming i know it's coming and then the lights go on i'm like <gasps> and, and and they do it
2: so dramatically they, they oh, come yeah. in and it's dark and then uh someone calls for the lights and then it's not just like the lights come on it's like you know all of the you know displays come up first
0: well no they, they and they show the like the lights come on in the saucer section but it doesn't actually show enterprise completely all you see is like 701 d and you're like yeah it's oh, it's it, 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 it's a thing, it's a thing. Yep. Yeah, that's her
2: they're yeah. doing the thing
0: oh my gosh yeah and then and then when they get on the bridge oh come
2: Oh my on. gosh yeah this and and this was what it was all you know going you know this is what i was building up to was was uh you know i like like i look back across the three seasons and you know season one kind of explored picard you know just uh, in in a setting outside of him being the captain of a ship, you know, I mean, and and what what we were used to in season two, as Uncle Todd already kind of touched on, was was kind of a, a time travel tale. loaf. I thought it was a well done story to to say goodbye to Q, and I will. It was a
0: rotten cat turd of a to the of end. a season.
2: And here that, in season three, to this day, we have. The, the 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 WrestleMania, if you will, Cody Rhodes going over Roman Reigns payoff here with, with the whole crew getting back together oh, getting no, no, no. on this the
0: bridge. Is, this is the Blues brothers, baby. They're getting the band back together. All right. All They're right. on a mission from, from Picard, God. you know.
2: <laughs> uh well Picard God, same thing. Um <laughs>
0: But well, apparently uh, he is the most important human being in the entire universe cuz once again everything is riding on this dude's genetics. I don't indeed, get it, but eh whatever.
2: Indeed. And so, uh we we have the 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 grand uh I, I mean everything about this. And I even felt like too like Picard, like Patrick Stewart himself like he he's always seemed like an older version of himself obviously cuz he is older. But in this scene, when, when they, you know, take their stations and they start running through their, their routine and everything, which by the way, I love when he activates the Enterprise, it comes back saying, you know, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, yeah, He's like, I'll, that was I'll great. accept the field demotion. Yeah. <laughs> It was beautiful. <laughs> that was great, but uh basically, I mean, just what a scene with with everyone taking their stations and and hearing him, you know, rattle off whatever to to data to lay in a course and uh and and they get all you know they pull out of space dock
0: and then you hear the engage and it was oh. but
2: but it was just like old old times, you know what but I mean? Did like, n- did you notice
0: when he sat down in the chair the Picard maneuver with the the pulling the jacket down? Oh, yes.
2: Oh, oh yes. yes. I,
0: I saw that and I'm like, oh, it's it just was like. The good
2: old days absolutely and and there wasn't a hint of age in his voice at that moment when he was given those commands and he's like engage it was just like it was old school tng right then and there and uh and so they are heading back into war and 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 uh oh and the other part i i really enjoyed was was jordy you know very emphatically saying you know this is not a network ship which that was the other thing that like we Mm -hmm. talked about bsg i mean this is all from the pilot You know what I mean? Like, like the, the code getting slipped in, you know, the, the, the enemy taking over through, you know, through subtle means. And now you have the one ship that, uh, that, that remains that, that can go up against the armada. And so. Man, what what a setup for the finale, though! Just an absolutely emotional setup of of
0: just epic proportions.
2: Seeing you know the old the old TNG band back together and and in the old Bluesmobile. So
0: yep. Or or as Chief would say, let's get the old gal ready to roll. That's right. You know. That's oh, right. That's oh, right. That's good good stuff. I, I,
2: I just love the fact that just the seven of them can fly the whole thing.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it, Jordy's, is you know he's made some
2: updates. You know, well, of course, of course.
0: I mean, he had all my, those gears to tinker with it.
2: My question is: Are we going to get a shot of of Picard in the ready room before they uh, they get there? You know, have a little uh, Earl back Gray and hot. forth
0: with uh, with uh,
2: uh, Riker or something. You know,
0: that would be great. Oh, great hot! There you go, oh, Captain. We didn't get the I didn't get the, <laughs> the replicators up and running. Sorry. But here's my thought
2: for the finale, and and, oh, and boy. tell me what you think about this because oh, oh boy, I think if they're going to. Have this thing go out with a bang, uh-huh. and have this be you know the swan song for the character uh-huh Here it is. they are in possession of the original jean lucs body
0: correct yes yep well well, what's left of him
2: what's left of him? He is going it, my 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 general prediction is however it will happen, he is going to sacrifice himself as part of the end game to revert whatever has happened save his son, Mm -hmm. but we'll do it taking down the Borg so that the Borg are actually done at this point. And it's going to kind of open up like a new era where there isn't this threat out there. And I feel this way because it accomplishes multiple things. One, if you really think about it, it was Picard's arrogance from the original TNG episode when when he was with, you know, when Q had interjected himself in that episode and through the ship, you know, he said, oh, you think you can handle anything out here? Well, let's just see. And he throws them, you know, way out into this realm where the Borg were and they have their exchange and now the Borg know about them. A lot of that comes back to Picard. And so I think it's a nice, you know, kind of circular end to that story of, I introduced this, now I'm going to finish it. And I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm going to free humanity and free the galaxy from this thing ever bothering them again. And I'm going to do it as a way to, you know, as, as, as the sacrifice. Right. The second thing, because they have his body, they actually can do a real kind of like burial as a family, which we didn't have in season one. It was just him with, you know, um, I'm forgetting who a couple of the characters are. I don't know if Rafi was there, but but mm. it, there, there, there was no one from the original TNG there. You know what I mean? It was just with a bunch of characters we had just met as part of season one. So, and then it tees up his son to now kind of take the reins and potentially even lead whatever's left of Starfleet, um, which I think is kind of poetic given, you know, Picard's, you know, station throughout most of his career. So it just feels like kind of a nice bow on the character he has a son he has something someone who can carry his legacy forward and uh and do so with the picard name and uh and and have him you know do something meaningful for him even though he missed out you know on on most of his life and uh yeah to to me i feel like it's a very poetic way to kind of end that character is is to have him take down the very thing that he you know in some ways introduced and 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 do it you know for his family
0: Okay, um, so here's the thing. I think that um, I think the first one. I think you're totally right, and I would not have what's regarded, the first one. Sorry, uh, the... basically that, that Picard is going to sacrifice himself and take out the Borg, and 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 he's going to eliminate the Borg threat. In in, yep. in, in his sacrifice, in such a way, will correct the mistake that he made, his hubris made mm-hmm. in the original TNG. Uh, show that has led to so much, you know, lo- such a loss of life and and mm-hmm. so many problems for Starfleet. Um, I would not have said that before this season. Mm. However, in this season, it really seems like we are we are in the third act of the Godfather and we are settling all family business. So mm-hmm. I th- I really feel like that's going to happen, um, and I hope it does because I think I think it's a very poetic way for him to. To meet his end and to to do it, and I think it's it would also be very interesting because you know here let me uh, let, let me let me uh, rectify my arrogance in the most you know arrogant act possible. And of course, I can take <laughs> down the board all by myself. I mean, it's it's perfect. Yeah. Um, the second one, I you know, I think Jack will you know I, I i have a feeling jack is going to carry on i don't see him leading starfleet i don't think they're just gonna be like oh and you hey you know well, i think he'll be, I, I don't mean i think leading, he'd be part of starfleet but i yeah yeah,
2: yeah like I, I think he finds renewed purpose i think he yeah. he follows in his father's footsteps but let's be honest starfleet command has been pretty much decimated at this point so that's and, and i find the title interesting the last generation right i mean yes So it's, it's going to be interesting how, you know, like if they want to continue forward, if they're going to continue, you know, forward with, with his character as kind of the lead or, or what they're going to do there. But, but nonetheless, yeah, his, his son is, is involved, maybe not as the leader, like you're saying, but just, you know, in some, in some significant role.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be very interesting um, seeing where, where things wind up because, have they made an announcement? There was this thing that, that there there's a new Star Trek series that is going to continue on after this, with members of the TNG crew and all that, carrying on past Picard without Picard, mm-hmm. um, and it would be called Star Trek Legacy or something like that. Oh, ah, interesting. Um, and I think that was it was it's been rumored heavily. It's been mentioned. It's sort of one of those things that a lot of people have been asked about. Everyone's like thumbs up, like yes, totally. Would we want to do that? And of course they were mentioning like oh yeah and Captain Shaw could be part of it. like yeah that ain't going to happen now. Mm-hmm. Um sorry. Uh but I, I think that could be kind of interesting. The one question I have here though is um do, what are the odds you think we're going to see Wesley show up as a as the traveler as a, or as a traveler or whatever the, the, the ah. that's called along with uh what's her face? The the one who is the she was in the per- first two seasons there
2: oh right um let me see if i, can find I can't her name. remember who she was but i, I she have was...
0: wikipedia open I'll, I'll have it here in a second but i it would seem very appropriate for him to show up in this scenario and to maybe help picard or to reveal something that would help him in a way so, to you... yes
2: so yeah or, or yeah so so, so, so asha or whatever her name is yeah
0: yeah, to me, I think that'll be. I think that could be interesting. I hope mm-hmm. that happens. I would really like to see, you know, Will Wheaton kind of get one last round, you know, kind of almost like the, you know, a, a kind of a little bit of a nod around the circle with, maybe, uh, with all the crew.
2: Depending on how Picard goes down, maybe what we get is Wesley, Soji, and Q are with him in his final
0: moments. I don't think they're gonna have Q come on no and you know what to me that that then that does take away from that one thing that you were like oh but we had this great moment with Picard and Q and that makes the rest it can of this it'll be a great moment if he shows up this nine episodes of just puppy vomit just like that's what <laughs> redeems it all and then you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have him show up here after his after his oh, big death scene oh man And now it's like, oh, and just kidding. He's still around, like, no, no. I'm saying before he die, like just before he dies, he has people with him, and of course they they have the ability. Oh, okay. okay. So now, but again, you're you're devaluing because all of a sudden now, like, uh, what Q is a force ghost now? I mean, what the hell is that? At least at least the other characters are are living ish characters in the in the in the realm of the TV series as opposed to Q who died. Like, no, seriously, he, you're going to bring him back as a force ghost or as an angel of light, a, light now? He saved a little bit of energy to just, Oh, you know, give one, me one a, more time. Now you're making me angry. You're trying to make me angry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're doing. Let's move on. What, oh, what, one
2: last little point, too, is is Data. Um, and and I say Picard will make the sacrifice because that is the other circular moment here is it, when the movies, you know, kind of came to a close for the crew there. um it, it ended with Data sacrificing himself. And, and you know, they always left the door open with with the B-4 and and all of that. But now that he is reconstituted, because um, at first I thought maybe the whole crew will go down. You know, like, like they'll all go down with guns a-blazing, taking, you know, the Borg down with them. Hmm. That seems a little... That seems like a long shot, because it, I think it's going to be more meaningful for just Picard to make the sacrifice. And then you have Data, who's still around, who can be... You know, there for for his son in the yeah. same way that he
0: was there for for Picard. And- well, yeah, and the thing is, like, Jordy Jordy ain't dying. Like, they've already set it up yeah. with his two daughters. Yeah. He's going to rescue them. You're not. They're not going to yeah. go there. Riker and Troy have a kid. I mean, uh, Crusher's got her kid. Got her her son that they're going to try and rescue, anyways. You know, I mean, yeah. I, the only one who I think, you know, of course, you got Worf, who's always like, "It's a good day. Maybe it is a good day to die. It's a like, good that's- day to die." And, and which makes it almost unlikely that he would. Uh, and, of course, Data, this would be like the approximately 50th time that he's died to save everybody. So I think it's a little <laughs> too on the nose there. I think it has to be Jean-Luc. Yeah. kind of has to be. Yeah. And, again, it. it yeah. even though you kind of can see this coming a mile away, it's sort of like seeing the Enterprise-D. If you do it well, it doesn't matter you mm-hmm. know there's a ton of movies that you can say oh well of course it's going to end this way but you know what if you do it well and it's a good journey and you set it up properly and you deal with it like you know emotionally in a correct way it doesn't matter if you see it coming it's still a wonderful moment so mm-hmm. i i think it is i think john luke is the one who who is going to make the sacrifice and you know that's how it goes yep Agreed. agreed.
2: All right. Uh, And then we have Mandalorian. Yes. uh, Episode seven, uh, called chapter 23, I believe. Um, Another uh, interesting episode um, called spies. Oh, actually it did have a name. It was called spies. That's right.
0: Yes. They, they do have names. Yeah.
2: Oh, sorry. I didn't realize that. I thought it was just the chapter number. Um, Nope. Well, I, and I remember that because I think there was some speculation as to why was it called spies and we didn't really see any. So, um, we did see the one in the, the early part of the episode communicating with Moff Gideon, mm. um, but, but all sorts of goodness in this one. Uh, we see for the first time in live action, uh, or at least in Hologram, Captain Pelion, who is from yes. the Heir to the Empire uh, Thrawn trilogy.
0: And uh, uh, the the father of Hux, whatever his name yes. is. Yes.
2: Yeah, I forgot his name, but yeah,
0: father of Hux was, played was by, also. Played by that other, by the actor's brother, isn't it? Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I was like, "That's great," because at first I thought it was the actor, because it's almost like one of those Hemsworth things. Like there's about there's about ten Hemsworths, and whenever they're around, if you're not looking close, or if it's like a a fuzzy hologram, it could be any of them. Indeed. You know, it's like they Indeed. ran him off an assembly line. You know. Yeah. But yeah, that, I I thought it was him, and then they're like, "Oh, that was his brother." I'm like, "Sweet, that's you know, kind nice of nice him to throw a little work." You know.
2: But uh, we, you know, we get a little hint of, uh, you know, call it jealousy, call it jelly, call, call it arrogance from off Gideon uh, when Pelion brings up Thrawn and he's like, ah, Thrawn's never going to show up. Enough of this silly talk of the, whoever that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Be very dismissive, which which I've already predicted. I've told Uncle Todd, I'm like Thrawn showing up in the finale and he's going to make Gideon an example for the rest of the council and they're going to fall right in line <laughs> because well, Thrawn it, isn't going to be messing around
0: when he gets back so. like I was I said to you like it went from like a 10 15 percent chance of Thrawn showing up after mm-hmm. this episode it's like almost like Vegas has it off the boards like we're <sighs> yeah. going to get Thrawn we might we're probably going to get Pelion as more than a hologram and you know what we might even mm-hmm. get a Soka in this sucker I, I mean mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Chewie and uh, like Force Ghost Yoda showed up like might just throw the whole shebang in there like it went from like okay we're heading to this and that and the other to all of a sudden like oh whoa whoa, we're doing this thing Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. yeah that was like they mentioned thrawn enough like okay i get it he he coming he's showing up in this you know and this is the you know it was already kind of a jumping off point to the ahsoka series anyways but i was like well people are so excited about that they don't really need to like be that heavy-handed but i'm like okay so we've now we've gotten zeb you know and now you know we've gotten all the ahsoka trailer and all that and now we've had thrawn name dropped about 20 times in a two-minute scene i'm like okay yeah we're we're leaning heavy into this Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. i mean good lord we might get a we might get uh, Force Ghost, uh, Kane and Jerris at this point. My gosh, who knows? <laughs> who knows what the heck's going to happen here? Absolutely. Uh, we we do have
2: uh, the introduction of IG twelve, uh, which mm-hmm. is a rebuilt version of IG eleven, and apparently turned uh, him into a mech. Like fits just... <laughs> fits Grogu perfectly, and apparently has a yes or no button that he likes to <laughs> hit constantly. It's like no, no, no.
0: Oh, oh my, my gosh, God. that, that yeah. was
2: hysterical. Um. But the group goes to Mandalore.
0: Uh, they take the fleet with them, and so now, you know, similar to Star well, Trek, we have the. Oh, yes. Hang on a second, though, and I didn't ro- notice this. It's not the entire fleet when they when they show them leaving uh, Navarro. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more ships than end up jumping into orbit around Mandalore. So there's a possibility
1: mm-hmm.
0: that some of the, they've they are not bringing the entire fleet there. There was a lot All of right. smaller ships and and, a, and kind of. Uh, uh, I don't want to say accessory, but support ships that aren't there. Mm. So it kind of makes you wonder: like, is, are they going for help? Or are we gonna? Are we going to get like, you know, uh, what is it? What is it? A Phoenix squadron? You know, from rebels or it, what? Who who's going to show up here? You know, yeah. are they going to get some help? Yeah. Um, anyways, I just want to point that out before I forgot. Thank you. Thank Continue, you. sir.
2: Um but no, they they make the jump to Mandalore to uh locate the Great Forge. Um when they're uh when when they get down there, they run into a group of uh surviving um like a surviving clan uh who who has been on Mandalore all this time. Uh you know, w- once again disappointed this wasn't, you know, um codified in, in in the being of Christopher Lloyd, you know, emerging from a cave being like Marty, you know, or something, you know. Well, we got but, our Christopher Lloyd. Apparently it was just kind of a
0: little- Little bit less than what we were anticipating.
2: I know, but it was just it it, it was it was like an upset and and unhappy you know older you know, security guy, you know, it's like, I I, I was hoping for something a little bit more, you know, Reverend Jim. Christopher Lloyd is like 126.
0: What do you want from the man? I want 126 year old Reverend Jim. That's what I want. Well, you got, you got a grumpy old dude and then you also got Lizzo and Jack Black. I'd Uh say it's kind of a wash. I mean, you Uh were not expecting that. I mean, and quite honestly, (laughs) a delightful couple. Oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) people Ca- who you think Captain like bombardier or whatever his name was <laughs> people people who you see their characters you're like can't they just be a couple in real life they seem delightful together mm-hmm. you know almost they like don't. a like andy and april from parks and recreation i'm still upset to this day when i watch reruns that aubrey plaza and chris pratt are not a real couple in real life mm-hmm. of course they're different people in the characters i know that but still yeah yeah
2: now well, it's good you can separate fiction from reality sir sometimes, sometimes. it That's depends good. you know it depends
0: on the day quite honestly
2: But, uh, but yeah, but while they're down there, they, they take this weird, like, almost like sail kind of ship across the, (laughs) the surface of, of Mandalore and, uh, the armorer.
0: It's like the, uh, it's like the, the discount version of Jabba's sail barge. Kind of.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, the Mandalorians playing a little game, getting a little testy with one another. And you got Grogu getting in the middle of it all, being like, no, no, no. Um, but, uh, wanted to ask you, sir, that creature that kind of broke out from the surface there, was mm. was that be a, uh be a mythosaur there? Is that, is no. that what you were thinking or is that no. something else? That's no, that's
0: totally different. Because if it was a mythosaur, everyone would be like, holy crap, it's a mythosaur. Like, no, that's not the mythosaur. Well, you couldn't really tell what it was, though. Broke yeah, it broke out of the like surface. Some, it was like off-price outlet Godzilla. Like, it's one of those ah. things. It was just a creature, you know? It, it, right. it was not the mythosaur because that would, I'm sure someone would have noticed, you know? All right did look kind of big so I just figured let's put it this way if you think that's a mythosaur that is your version of my trying to find a womp rat in every episode
2: maybe it was a mythosaur who was coming up for a breath of air you know what I mean he's down in the water all that time he's tired (sighs) of you know
0: Anywho, uh, I think you got a hold of some bad deviled eggs and you're just hallucinating, is what I think.
2: I think, uh, I think it's a mythosaur. So we should put a bet on this. Um, nonetheless, uh, they, they do find the Great Forge, uh, but they are ambushed, uh, by uh, Gideon's Beskar enhanced stormtroopers, which was kind of an interesting touch. Um, but, but we get, uh, you know, we get two two big events. One, uh, our hero, the Mandalorian, uh, Din Djarin, is uh, captured by Gideon, uh, trying to fight them off, and he he's hogtied basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he he is hauled off, and then you have Paz v- uh, Vizsla, who. Um, wonderful use of of a helicopter like like basically the jesse the body ventura you know gun from from predator yes except star warized and uh just going to town on these guys just taking them all out to the point where his
0: gun is glowing red <laughs> yes which was great like just <laughs> overheating just it at him <laughs> oh yeah it just starts beating people with a with a with like a molten gun oh yeah oh fantastic fantastic I mean, what a way to go out for a character like jeez yeah.
2: And and then you know, because we didn't really get a real, I mean, we got a little bit of a taste in the, in the last Jedi, but we really didn't get a sense of how, how deadly the Praetorian guards are. But, uh, mm-hmm. basically v- Vizula takes out all the stormtroopers, and then the, the guard that, uh, Gideon asked for shows up and, uh, dispatch of Vizula in, in a very, I mean, it, it was, it was done very well, very tastefully, but man, that's what the episode ends on is him just collapsing and just laying there. And, and mm-hmm. that, that was it. And so, Oh my, we are in for a, a explosive chapter 24 final season finale uh, of season three
0: here. Bam. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff, stuff set up, you know, and, and they've, and the thing is they've, they've shown, and I joke about them throwing the kitchen sink into this last episode, but the fact is they've, they've shown before, like they'll set some things up and they'll knock some down and then some others they're leaving. Those are going to be set up for the next season or for Ahsoka or whatever, like, They are in no rush, which I totally dig. I, I, I appreciated that about Battlestar Galactica when they were doing their shows. Mm-hmm. There's times when they're like, yeah, that, that is, that string is just going to hang there for a good long time yes. <laughs> and yep. we're in no rush to tug on it and, and to get to the end of it. You know, you just yep. have to kind of keep in mind some of this stuff. So I, and I appreciate that kind of storytelling. Like it actually gives the audience some sort of credit for intelligence.
2: Yep yeah so uh I think we talked about what we're both hoping to see in the season finale what most likely we'll we'll see it'll be a question of how it is executed but mm. um I, I i do think there's gonna be an element of of Thron showing up in some way shape or form oh, and totally it It really feels like Gideon's gonna be like done in by him because it, he he makes a great you know like like we've talked about with wrestling. If you're going to establish a monster heel, sometimes the best way to do that is, is to put a a character who, who folks do, do not expect to lose in front of that monster heel to, to, to get the extra push, the extra lift from, from defeating that person, you know, easily. And, uh, I, you know, I, I just think it would be a strong statement for him to show up and and put Gideon down and be like, there's a new sheriff in town and you better all fall
0: in line or (laughs) you're going to end up like him. Uh, The thing is, I don't see Thrawn taking Gideon down. I see him more or less working because that's not Thrawn's M.O. Like he'll Mm -hmm. find some way to like basically like cut Gideon loose Mm -hmm. in a way, you know, and and either embarrass him or or subjugate him under his authority or he'll just like however he maneuvers things, Gideon's going to be out in the cold. You know, and he's gonna be uh, he's gonna okay. be left on his own. That's that seems more like how Thrawn does it. I don't expect him to pull a Vader and be like walk in and be like pew pew you're dead you know that sort of thing that's, like, that's fair. you he, talk he, about. he
2: could put yeah he, he, he like we could find Gideon in kind of a catch-22 where he gives him a choice and no n- neither choice is good for Gideon mm-hmm. so it's a question of what's the lesser of two and uh, two evils sort of thing and so that's that's fair I can see that I I I, I just think the the arrogance that like he, he just seemed like he was an overdrive on, on the arrogance front you know I mean both in the beginning of the episode and at the end you know when he when he comes down there and he's like oh I'm just gonna take all the best parts of your culture and make them mine and you guys mm. are going to be done you know I mean he just he seems like he's in this zone of being untouchable in his own mind and I, I, I feel like that's being done for effect because of what's to come so yes so yes but excited for it looking forward to it and hopefully next week when we are recording this episode we will be gushing about the live action debut of one Grand Admiral Thrawn.
0: Smell, felt, dealt
2: Kelp. Oh, I don't know what I was saying. Anyways, that, my friends, is
0: The Week in Geek. Well, thank you, sir, for, well, I guess, I don't know, talking about that because it wasn't a ton of research involved, but you know what? I still thank you. Um, <laughs> now we move on to the heart of the episode here. <laughs> You like that? You like that? It's it's like this backhanded thank you. It's yeah, like, thank you for nothing. It was, it was a very left-handed sort of thing, but it was a, it was like Jeez the left hand backhand that swung around and still spent got you. spent an
2: hour of my Sunday afternoon putting all this together, sir. <laughs> Good
0: well, Lord. you were also chain eating devil eggs while you were doing it, and and you well, know having bourbon out of your sippy cup. So I'm, I mean, I can't imagine it was that unenjoyable. I was using the straw. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's always good. The, the, the crazy straw? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> always going to do the crazy straw. All right. So we are going to talk about uh, yeah. the, the best wrestlers from the 2010s. I mentioned once uh, before in the intro this is i know almost nothing about what happened in this decade i like this is the lead, the most out of touch i was with professional wrestling so i have no idea what's going on so uh tim why don't you walk us through what in the hell was going on this decade sir All if right. you would
2: so uh as as i was putting together my 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 uh my sermon on on the 2010s um Jesus, <laughs> <much a sermon? laughs> let's let's turn to chapter 24. <laughs> We're gonna
0: we're gonna oh, wait, sing. It's Mandalorian. Excuse me. We're gonna sing him three twenty three. Yes. We're only gonna do verses one, three, <laughs> four, eight, and ten. <laughs> <laughs> and for all of you out there laughing and cringing you know who you are you went to the same type of church like oh wait and someone was like hey let's do this oh, oh we ain't doing all that well that's like 20 minutes all right we gotta cut this sucker down and you that know there was like funny. the one verse that people didn't like because nobody could get the words right anyways so they're like i ah, mm-hmm. just leave that one out mm-hmm. And there was oh that, always gosh. that one older person, like, I remember back in the day we would sing all the verses in the show. <laughs> and, and then they'd fall asleep. So, you know. <laughs> I mean to reveal too much about my life here, but you know,
2: Oh, all right. Well, if nothing like some
0: church humor to really get, just get us those (laughs) listens. Let me tell you. Well, if, if, as we discussed last
2: episode if wrestling in the two thousands was, was Vince and company figuring out how to, you know, put out a compelling product with, with no competition to speak of uh, wrestling in the 2010s was, was uh, seeing WWE trying to figure out how to grow some new stars because, Mm -hmm. uh, the independents were, were kind of drying up and, uh, uh, and, you know, talent was was a little hard to come by um, in, in terms of developed talent. So uh, this kind of manifested itself in, uh, you know, with Triple H stepping back from being a full time wrestler, stepping into more of a corporate role and leading, uh, w- which led to the opening of the Performance Center uh, and the creation of the NXT brand, which I put in parentheses, ironically, put out some of the best content on WWE out of all the brands. Shocking. The, the one that uh,
0: Vince was least involved in. Go Indeed. Uh,
2: And so additionally, uh, on top of developing their stars, uh, WWE, uh, we found them leaning on past stars, uh, working in a part-time capacity. And so when you think about the the 2010s and some of the main events we saw, we saw Cena versus Rock uh, 1 and 2. We had uh, Triple H, who came back on a number of occasions uh, in a part-time way. We had Batista, uh, who came back for his swan song. And then...
0: We had the Beast, Brock (laughs) Lesnar. All the things just peaked out on that one. <laughs> if I could do
2: it in, in the, in the Heyman-esque fashion that, that he would do. Thank you, Paul. Um, to, to draw uh, as, as the main event while, while new stars are being developed. Um, it also was a period in, in, in some ways this happened, maybe not, you know, I can't say Vince for certain was, was a part of this or not, but there were some talent who were brought in kind of through the back door, if you will, of NXT from the independence. And they actually grew into very compelling you know, main roster stars, main event stars, um, both from the independents here in this country, and also from uh, promotions overseas like New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we saw, you know, CM Punk, uh, you know, who who had been developing for, throughout most of the 2000s, uh, or th- sorry, through mid 2000 um, or you know, kind of like 06, 07 through, uh, through, uh, I think he left in 2014. Um, you had AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, uh, Adam Cole, and, and, and many others, uh, all, all from, from those, those independents and, and, you know, the, that scene, but also grew into main event talent, um, both in NXT and, and in the main roster, in the main roster before your tribal chief established his dominance in the 2020s. And so, uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, and then finally to kind of end the decade, uh, a new wrestling company, AEW opens its doors in 2019 before a global pandemic provides wrestling and the world, a new challenge to overcome. So that was the 2020, uh, the 2010s, uh, for wrestling. And it's like the what the War star
0: Wars, Wars cr- the, the text crawl before a star Wars movie. I was feeling Dear my creative
2: juices. I, it, it just felt good. You know, the eighties was, was, you know, wrestling going from regional to national and the '90s were, you know, the two national brands going head to head. You had the, the 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 2000s where you know you're down to one brand trying to figure out how to keep itself, you know, compelling for everyone. And then you have in the 2010s, you know, growing. It, it's a very interesting when you look at. It, I was very excited about this. It was this was something uh, just kind of came to me this afternoon as I was as I was writing this up. So an epiphany, uh, if you will. An epiphany. Thank you. So uh, unfortunately, our, our bracket, even though it is still. Um,
0: a bit long in the tooth we we had to ladies and gentlemen i (laughs) insisted this afternoon that (laughs) tim had a play-in bracket that was as big as the bracket was going to be in the first place he had a 16 wrestler play-in bracket it's not 16 it it was 16 you cut out four (laughs) we're down to 12 now i don't (laughs) do math that well but i know that that's that's you know i know what those numbers are all it was right. a, it was a big. This has expanded every single round. Like for the golden age of wrestling in the '80s, we managed to have a 16 wrestler bracket. And ever since then, things have gone to hell in a handbasket. I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on. You leave me in charge, and it gets out of control. <laughs> Good God! But I, I guess this is better than you know when you were you were gonna do like the first region and it was sixty four wrestlers. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's I the entire convinced.
2: Tournament. I'm convinced we could have done a sixty four wrestler bracket. And we I'm just probably- convinced that
0: you need to be drug tested immediately. <laughs> The only way that I could have done that is if I'd had some organic uh, trucker speed. That's the only way I was gonna make it through that episode. Good that Lord. I would have needed, like I would have needed to have a, I would have had to have a like a pee bucket right next to me. That's the only <laughs> way that's gonna work.
2: Oh my gosh! Well, I'm gonna go through a list of names that we had to leave off. Uh, uh, yes, it's like it, in, it, memoriam. It <laughs> in memoriam. <laughs> or as we call it, left out in the cold. Yep. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, I want to start off with uh, you know uh, a, a big friend of the show, G- uh, Jim Cornette. He, his favorite wrestlers right oh, now: Kenny yeah. Omega and the Young Bucks. Oh, Uncle Corny loves them. Oh my gosh! Uh, Does refer
0: to them as Twinkle Toes and something else? I think so. But but uh, but he but did Omega... refer to Kenny Omega as as participating in competitive parkour. <laughs> oh, it's his brand of wrestling. Oh god. But uh, Kenny
2: Omega and the Young Bucks, uh, both a big part of New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, especially mid to, to late 2010s, uh, part of the Bullet Club faction. And uh, and Kenny himself, uh, Ken, really, this is where Kenny Omega establishes himself in the main event uh, with Chris Jericho. I uh, had a great match, a great series of matches with Chris Jericho and New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, and, and, and many others. And so just um, just just a... Uh, unfortunately, had, had had to leave him off. Um, we have uh, Bobby Roode, uh, who uh, was glorious
0: in NXT. Uh, Cody Rhodes, who is he still around? Like I keep on, like I've I never saw him in any shows. But people are like, oh yeah, Bobby Roode's on. He's I'm like, around, missing but he's,
2: him. Yeah, he 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 got injured and and had to go through. I think some sort of like I think it required a surgery and a you know recovery period. So he has been dealing with that. But um, I I I don't think he's you know if he, if he comes back, I, I think he's going to probably end up as one of those guys working like as a road agent or something because I I think his you know he's in his like mid forties now and um and and wasn't really cracking into the you know the world title scene at all. So I think his his time is you know kinda
0: passed if you you could say that, but I think Sting is scheduled to wrestle tonight. Oh, fair enough. Could be. He can barely move.
2: Well that's true. Um, cuts a promo like like a son of a gun, but um, okay. we had Cody Rhodes, who, uh, you know, uh, really, this was his decade to grow uh, into – you know, being a, a higher profile presence than what he was in WWE as he kind of wrapped up his time there as Stardust and and found, you know, his footing as the American Nightmare and, and really part of the, the group that started AEW. Um, but we, we have to leave him off, um, not because... Uh, you know, it, it was hard. I, I wanted to include him because of the fact that he was part of that group that started that promotion. But when you compare it to the 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 relevancy and the uh, the uh, you know, the accolades of some of the other folks we're going to talk about, this decade for him is really just kind of a, a build period for him. So, um, so so
0: essentially what Tim is trying to say is if it, if you have anything to do with AEW, screw you in particular. Not really, but kind of. oh, that's exactly what you always tell me. Well. The way I like to look
2: at it is, if AEW started in 2019, you really got only two years of of you know relevancy going. on I know, on in but the you're decade, like so. you're very
0: much like Vince. Like you hold a grudge from people who are you know if they weren't originally you know from there. Oh, I
2: hold a grudge because of what happened with CM Punk. I think CM Punk should be back and uh, and, well, and part of the uh, the AEW roster. I like
0: AEW, but you may get your wish, sir. Maybe,
2: uh, who else? Uh, so let's see, Cowboy, James storm, uh, from impact wrestling. Uh, he, he, he had a great run, you know, in the world title scene there. Uh, this is where Ricochet, uh, you know, comes to WWE and starts to establish himself uh, Big E. Um, Really, uh, all of the New Day, Big E and uh, Xavier Woods, uh, uh, Rusev. This is where Rusev starts and, and becomes a force to be reckoned with for a few years. Uh, we get Rusev Day, and we get all these other, uh, you know, just just interesting things that they came from the character that I wasn't expecting. Man had his um, own
0: tank. I mean, what else do you want?
2: Had his own tank. Uh, Wade Barrett, who was part of, uh, you know, kind of the original class of, of, uh, of NXT. Um, Bully Ray. Johnny Gargano, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong—they're all part of. Sorry, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong—all part of uh, Undisputed Era uh, from NXT, and and who, who had a, a really amazing run as a faction for several years. I mean, they were involved. I, I think they're I think for the first two or three War Games matches they did, it involved the Undisputed Era, you know, and and they always had just amazing matches um, in in that in that particular match type. Um, Rob Van Dam was still wrestling, uh, mostly for impact came back in WWE for a little bit, uh, Christian and edge. This was a hard one, but, uh, edge basically retired in in 2011, uh, and was gone for most of the decade. So we really can't talk about him a whole lot. Hmm. Uh, Christian had a bit of you know he he got a little bit of a lift when Edge retired. Uh, had a world title run, but otherwise was was mostly kind of off off the scene and and not not really seen very much. Um, popped up in AEW later. We have Luke Harper, who was part of the Wyatt family. Just didn't really achieve much in terms of championships or. You know prominence that way but definitely part of a, a very unique faction that they that that debuted um, and really had a really strong run in the early uh, 2010s uh, sting sting still wrestling we don't have Hogan, we don't have flair but we got sting um and uh yeah he he was he had his swan song in wwe in the mid 2010s and then uh was part of aew uh when when
0: it started sting has had a rough time in our brackets when you think about like how huge he, he was for wcw and just by virtue of of how our brackets have laid out like yeah. he didn't show up at all in the 80s of course because he wasn't he got a late start in that decade and then in the 90s he kind of just got overwhelmed by the other the other wrestlers that he was up against and the 2000s he wasn't doing a whole lot really right. yeah and he, then, he was
2: an impact but yeah not
0: yeah i mean not even close to having any kind of like uh, not <laughs> cultural impact as he would have in wWE and then yep. you know yeah like you say he comes back here for a little bit and not gonna not gonna match up as well as some of these other guys so yeah sorry Stan. yeah um, yep, it
2: is uh we have Jeff Hardy um who who has uh you know an interesting championship run in impact wrestling which then ended with him I think having to go into rehab unfortunately oh, gosh uh and and and, and yeah. just a I, I don't remember the the context for it all, but actually going out into a match where he was not in in against any condition against Sting, against Sting, yeah, and uh, and Sting visibly just like the just you know it, it was it was just very unfortunate and uh, but. Jeff Hardy, um, you know, definitely present during this decade, but just just you know not reaching the heights that probably he could have. Um, Bobby Lashley, uh, he, he's another one, kind of like Cody Rhodes, that was kind of building himself back up in Impact Wrestling. He 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 wasn't in WWE really until the end of the decade, and even then he was just kind of getting his footing under him. He he had a couple rough starts uh, in some of the um, you know angles that he was in, and and you know really didn't get to you know the you know, kind of the, the almighty like he is now, where he's kind of found his groove and, and, and his character and that sort of thing. Um, Drew McIntyre, he spent much of the 2010s, first half of it, basically in a jobber group and uh, called, the, the, called the 3MB, the three, three-man band or something like that. Mm. And uh, him, Jinder Mahal, and, um, oh, God, I'm forgetting the third guy. Uh, he, he was from the original NXT class. Probably
0: rightfully so. Because if, so, if, if Jinder Mahal is, is remembered before that guy, then ooh, Yeah, yeah.
2: But uh, but McIntyre did spend a good chunk of the decade rebuilding himself in, in the independence and on impact and, you know, really getting himself to a place where when he did come back toward the end of the decade, you know, he was starting to make an impact. But again, you know, it, it was just – he was kind of off the radar for, for much of it. Um, Dolph Ziggler, you know, he, he was there but didn't – you know, wasn't really, um, you know, achieving – you know, greatness or anything like that. He, he was, you know, just that consistent, you know, hand that was already there, that was always there, you know, to, to perform and, and to uh, put forth a show. Um, Matt Hardy was a tough one because this is the decade where he introduced, um, you know, kind of the, uh, oh god, what, what the, um,
0: didn't he have, wasn't he the broken Matt Hardy? Broken, and then there was you, that's another what one I was trying to
2: think of. Yeah. He was broken Matt Hardy where, you know, he was doing, you know, delete, delete. And, and he had this, you know, he, he had a couple, uh, when he was with impact, he was doing this and he had, uh, just this amazing match at his compound. Um, I think it was called the ultimate deletion or something like that. And it was, I think it was him and his his brother. And, uh, and it was just, uh, it was very different and yet very ahead of its time and would lend itself to, um, you know, WWE doing some theatrically kind of based matches, you know, so, so really kind of groundbreaking. And so it was hard to, hard to drop him into this but at the same time it's like you also can't keep him in the bracket for that one thing you know mm. otherwise much of the decade is is kind of ho hum for him so um Rey Mysterio same sort of thing he was in WWE early part of the decade um world champion but then he he was he kind of disappeared until the the latter part of the decade and spent a lot of time in the independents, um, you know, going around the world and stuff like that. So uh, Kurt Angle, um, same kind of thing. He he had his final run in, in Impact, was gone for a few years, came back to WWE to do his retirement, and then really kind of you know petered out at that point. <laughs> Sadly, his last match was was losing to uh, uh, Baron Corbin of all people. <sighs> <sighs>
0: Just wow.
2: Yep. Guys got to look back at that and say, who did I? Well, I think I know who well, I
0: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, most people lose their last match. That's just the way it works, you know?
2: No, it's not about him losing. It's about who he lost to. Oh, I you know. know like, but I mean, like, just like in they general. I couldn't have found someone that was probably a more appropriate, you know, opponent for him, you know, sort of thing. But whatever. Uh, the hot wants what it wants. And uh, Vince's hot wants strange things. Um,
0: Let's not get into that. And then lastly, you the might have show. to sign an NDA or something.
2: That's true. And then lastly, the big show was also cut. So the, well. these are all. Yes uh so these are all names of folks that could have been in the brackets uh gave uncle todd heartburn when he saw it and so i ended up dropping them out so
0: all right well thank you for that 20 minute intro of all the people that we're not going to talk about that's well
2: i thought it was important to acknowledge you know there were a fair number of great names that just couldn't make it in so
0: uh, this is going to be another episode where i've got to go i've got to manually create the video because youtube's going to be like over oh. <laughs> oh, three hours no surprise. All right, you. All so right. here we are at the play-in bracket. That is the, a bracket the unto itself. Person,
2: Gosh. Uh, let's see how many. Oh, six matches here. So, all <sighs> right, we're gonna kick it off with uh, Kofi Looks like I Kingston. I picked the
0: wrong week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> Good God!
2: <laughs> all right, I have Kofi King- Kingston against Sami Zayn. Kofi was included. Kofi was included.
0: Uh, this so as- this happened so long ago. Kofi Kingston was Jamaican. Remember that. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Jeez. That's true. How did they how did they manage to switch that where all of a sudden it's like, oh, he doesn't have a Jamaican accent anymore? Like how did that I just I just wanna know how they managed to like smooth that bump over. That's a good question. I he I was don't... like all out like he was the most Jamaican Jamaican guy that you could possibly have on the roster like yeah. he was essentially like full sprung from cool runnings like that mm-hmm. sort of like hor- like people in Jamaica are like that's terrible that is so terrible yeah and then all of a sudden he's just he's just Kofi like how did that happen I want to know like how you managed to make that like you use a like MIB like flashy thing to make everyone forget you know yeah uh, anyways i'm sorry that just that always <laughs> that just abuses me to no end like that everyone's just like oh yeah he's just not jamaican anymore like wait a minute time
2: out yeah <laughs> i i don't remember exactly when that happened i i thought it was kind of addressed directly but i i honestly don't remember how so that that's where i, I it was really probably a, it. like
0: he got it he got a chair shot and they're all like oh well he it 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 changed his accent because, I mean, if Goldust can get, like, Tourette's from getting electrocuted, then sure, anything is possible in the WWE, you know, universe. Anyways. All right.
2: Well, uh, let's see. Kofi started off... um really around the tag belts, uh, moved on to the U S championship. Um, but really, you know, included him, you know, really cause, cause new day kind of broke some new ground for he, Biggie and Xavier Woods. Mm. Um, they ended up being way more successful, uh, in, in this, in the, as this group, than I think anyone really thought they were going to be this looked like a, um, it was going to be kind of a, uh, you know, just not a very over concept and and it would be you know gone within a few months but 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 all three of these guys really turned it into something really special and uh, and and turned into some very entertaining um, action for for them um, in terms of who they would face. They started out as a heel group um, for a long time and then uh, and then switched over to, to being kind of a babyface team. But they did have their uh, 483 day reign, I believe, as Raw Tag Team Champions, which was a record for the time, mm. uh, and uh, and I think has since been broken by the Uh, who I think had a 600 day reign. So, um, but also notable for Kofi, uh, specifically is the fact that, um, you you know, as can happen there, there were just, you know, with his story and, and with, oh, and, and I almost forgot Kofi also introduced the acrobatic, uh, you know, way of avoiding eliminations, uh, the the parkour style of avoiding eliminations at Royal Rumble. Yeah, which hopefully
0: um, we've seen the last of, because I think the man almost broke his face this year trying yeah, to do that, that
2: was not. That was not good. That was not it's good. Time
0: to retire that. It's yeah. it's done.
2: So, uh, but he he did have that kind of Cinderella story um, of uh, making his way to to the main event at uh, WrestleMania and winning the WWE Championship, uh, where he reigned, I believe. Until I want to say October. Um, so he had about 180 day reign um, where then he lost, uh, and it was a pretty dominant loss to, to Brock Lesnar, unfortunately. Well, yeah. Um, which there was some consternation afterwards of, which, you know, people were like, why did he have to look, you know, so weak in defeat? Because he had been doing so well. He'd been having some great matches. Um, but once again, Vince, Vince. What Vince wants to do. Um, so, anyway, so that's Kofi. And then, um, Let's see. On the other side of it, we have Sammy Zayn. who it's going to sound kind of uh, interesting talking about him in the context of this, uh, you know, of, of, of this decade because of how hot he is right now as, as a talent and an act. But, you know, he was in uh, Ring of Honor for, you know, much, uh, I think, until 2012, um, came into NXT in 2013, was a you know, staple there for two years, won the NXT championship, um, you know, debut of Kevin Owens was... Uh, you know, at, at the cost of Sami Zayn, I, I think we talked last episode about the the power bomb off the apron, you know, mm. kind of routine that they would do, and just some of the crazy things they would do. He had a just a phenomenal set of matches with Shinsuke Nakamura when he debuted. Um, just, I mean, anyone he got in the ring with, it was just it was just amazing, amazing matches. And then uh, he moves on to the main roster. Um, you know where. Uh, so sadly he goes to debut and ends up blowing his shoulder out in the process. Um, just, just kind of doing his, his, like, you know, as he walked to the aisle and, and was, you know, really kind of hyped up, he apparently did something to his shoulder and, uh, and he still wrestled the match with Cena, but wrestled it in, in an injured state. Um, but, uh, yeah, but went on to. Um, you know, just uh I think he was involved in some, you know, Intercontinental and World Title, you know, shots. I, I don't know that he won uh any championships during this time. I'm just kind of like, Oh, I, I guess he won the Intercontinental Championship in twenty nineteen. Mm. Um oh, was that when he was playing like hype man for uh Shinsuke, I wonder? Like like remember he he would be like Shinsuke's mouthpiece and you know, he'd come out to the music and he was like, you know, doing that dance where he was like almost convulsing, you know, as he was like <laughs>
0: Oh yeah yeah yeah, Sammy yeah. I not remember that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so uh so anyway, so so Sammy, you know, having a pretty uh you know, pretty I I call it strong. Um you know, strong outing, you know, since his start in 2013, but not really kind of reaching the levels that, that he's reached, you know, in kind of the early 2020s here. So uh, but nonetheless, you know, good, good run for him during this decade. So um, anything, sir, on, on these two or are you ready to uh, make an adjudication on them?
0: I'm ready. I'm I'm quite set. Uh, Kofi Kingston, sir.
2: All right, I I agree. I'm going with Kofi as well. I feel he had uh, a little bit heftier and more relevant of a run. A little bit uh, during this time.
0: I don't know how you can say a little bit. It's a lot bit. I mean, mm-hmm. Sammy, nice and solid, you know, there and you know all of those things. But uh, the man, Kofi, was at the top of the mountain, uh, both as in tag terms and in singles. Yep. I I don't know, uh, an IC belt, just don't quite compare, unless you hang on to it for about six years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So, yeah, Kofi. Well, and being part of a groundbreaking faction as well. So, all mm-hmm. right. And our next— Who do you got?
2: Oh, I, I, I agree. Kofi as well. All right. Kofi as well. So, uh, in our next play-in bracket, uh, oh, we have geez. Brock— Lesnar. Oh, this is actually a match I would have liked to have seen. Um, I don't even
0: need to. I don't even need you to really go into this one. I could pick this one now if you just want to shortcut this.
2: I want to talk a little bit about Cesaro. So. I
0: know you do, and that's why I just don't want to. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Claudio Castagnoli um, the man is about as just interesting as reading the side of a cereal box to me he I,
2: is an amazing technical wrestler who is very underappreciated very underappreciated Okay. Uh, he is uh, right. a United hey, States his, champion his spinny uh,
0: thing there I mean that's scintillating yeah, that, television
2: it is it's amazing that he doesn't like fall over after that,
0: that um, so that's the level we're at right now okay <laughs> somewhere right now jim cornette weeps yeah. <laughs> i mean granted it's because dq is closed but oh. he weeps nonetheless uh, yeah i was going to
2: say sure it is isn't. the Dominoes. isn't
0: <laughs> the dominos is out of sprite no <laughs>
1: Why? <laughs>
2: oh, my gosh. But uh, U.S. champion, uh, winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 30. Uh, he is uh, tag champion. Uh, had a great run with Tyson Kidd before he suffered an injury. Um, formed the bar with uh, Sheamus. Uh, so very much around the tag title scene quite a bit. Um, but, uh, but very entertaining and, uh, and, and a consistent, consistent performer. Uh, and then we have Brock Lesnar. And, uh, Brock comes in, 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 2012 and this was a highly, highly hyped sort of thing. Like it, it was, it was like the worst kept secret. Everyone expected the day after, uh, WrestleMania, um, in 2012 that, uh, Lesnar was going to come back and he came back and F5 John Cena. And so it begins, mm-hmm. uh, with, with Brock. And so he goes on, he had kind of a, an, an uneven start. He was in kind of some weird, uh, you know, some, some weird matches where, you know, he was very dominant, but lost to, to Cena. I don't know if they were just trying to protect Cena or, or but it, it was just very strange. And then they went into this phase where Lesnar, you know, was, was you know, beating people by this, this. I think he was using the Kimura lock and he was like, like he snapped, you know, uh, suppose, I mean, storyline-wise snapped Triple H's arm or something like that. And then he faced him in SummerSlam. So it's kind of an uneven start for him. But man, oh man, he starts to build up you know, just as the unstoppable beast. Um, and, uh, and, and wins several world titles during, uh, during this, this decade, uh, holds them for long periods of time, uh, not, not to the level of Roman reigns, but, um, but, but, you know, fairly long. Um, sorry, one second. Oh, I thought I heard something. Um, and then, uh, but you, you know, one That's of the Cesaro biggest, sorrow
0: sneaking up on you. Yeah, I know. I was going
2: to say, um, he's going to spin uh... you around
0: unless you pick him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh I, I think it's a let me read this so uh so WrestleMania 30 is where he broke uh the uh, the Undertaker's undefeated streak which is probably you know I, I would say even, even you know, potentially even greater than than the world championship accolades he earned during this decade. He is forever gonna be known as the man who, who broke the streak. And I don't think there's ever gonna be another streak like that again. Um, so uh so so yeah, so that that was a, a major major achievement for him. No one thought he was gonna win and when when that pinfall got counted, man, did the air let out of that that arena. <laughs> everyone was beside themselves when it happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was incredible, but Lesnar goes on to have, you know, several, uh, you know, basically several main events at WrestleMania with, uh, with Roman Reigns, um, which, which, you know, again, hit or miss, you know, some of those matches were really good. Some of them were just like, what the heck were they thinking with the booking? Um, was involved. I think the first one with with uh, Reigns uh, resulted in Seth Rollins uh, showing up and being the first man to cash in money in the bank and win the world title by doing so at WrestleMania uh, by taking out Reigns and not Lesnar. Um, but Lesnar, uh, Lesnar was just uh, from 2012 on. He is he is the dominant force. He is what you know the world title was orbiting around and. You know, really, it was about who who could really challenge him and who could really beat him, and he was just so dominant, and still is, and still is. So, so uh, any other comments here on uh, one Brock Lesnar?
0: No, just that the whole Cesaro thing damn near put me to sleep. I'm glad you got to the. the I
2: didn't whole... spend that much time on him. For I know you didn't have loud.
0: to. It it was almost like a it was it was like melatonin and Xanax all put together, just like. <clears throat> Um, All right. Brock Lesnar, without question. Cesaro, granted, I'm going hard on the guy because I don't think WWE creative knew exactly how, what to do with this guy. That's the one thing I do remember. The couple times I've seen him, he just seems so bland. And I'm like, there should be something that you ought to be able to do with this guy. Um, And they didn't. So, uh, but Brock Lesnar, I mean, the, the fact is like, the freakish level of athletic ability that is in this one human being. It's almost one of those things where it's, it's so bulletproof. It's almost like you can't screw it up because he's still such a spectacle that people are like, I want to go see the guy with a neck. That's like 40 inches around, just slam people around. Like that just doesn't get old, you know, it's really hard to screw that up. Uh, But yeah, Brock Lesnar.
2: All right. And I am going to, uh, go against the grain and say Cesaro. Are you serious? No, of course I'm saying Brock Lesnar. I just wanted to get your
0: reaction on that one. I was on going to say, one. we need to have you pee in a cup, seriously. Because <laughs> like, now I'm not I'm not worried about drug testing. I'm worried you might have like a, wor- a brain worm or something sort of infection <laughs> that is like... (laughs) Slowly nibbling away your uh, your medulla oblongata.
2: thank you, gorilla. Thank you, gorilla. I appreciate that. All right, uh, moving right along to our next matchup: uh, Bray Wyatt versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm. Uh, Bray Wyatt, um, really, just known for being—I really look at him as kind of this this generation or this decade's uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. He he just seemed to um, Mm, you, you know and. And, and it wasn't obvious because he was I keep calling it NXT but it was called the Nexus in 2010-2011 when they were when WWE was trying to figure out how to you
0: know well, did he come in as Husky Harris or something like yes. that yes oh gosh and,
2: and sadly, when it's they terrible. debuted, when, when the Wyatt family debuted, that's what people were chanting. They were chanting, you know, they recognized them and they were chanting Husky Harris and, um, but, but it, it, it went away. It it was not, it, it did not hang around for a long time. And the Wyatt family very much in the vein of, um, what was that Rob Zombie, um,
0: those horror um, movies he made in like was the late 90s like the 90- devil's rejects or something yeah, like that yeah i mean
2: very much that vibe just just very um mixed very... with like a
0: de niro max Katie from cape fear sort yes. of thing yeah
2: yeah if you combine those two yeah so so very kind of demonic very Uh, the entrance was always just super like spooky and weird and, and just had such a different feel to it. And so their, you know, their debut is, is one of the, you know, just one of the great debuts. Um, they went on to have some amazing matches with the shield, um, with, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, um, you know, just many others just, just kind of, I mean, they, they spent a couple of years in NXT developing and then, uh, came to the main roster and just did, just did some amazing, amazing work, um, where, uh, you know, they, they, they won some championship, you know, belts, um, mostly I think intercontinental and tag, I think it was really what they kind of orbited around. And then they kind of broke off and, uh, Wyatt did some stuff with, uh, with Matt Hardy, uh, when he came back as broken Matt, Matt, Hardy um and uh and you know, I think they formed the tag team, the Deleters of Worlds, which was kind of this like dream pairing between, you know, these two kind of crazy personas. Mm. Um, you, you know, and and so that 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 was kind of fun to see them uh you know together and and doing that. And then, you know, Wyatt known uh, you know, for coming back after and reinventing himself into the fiend. Um, you know, sadly, you know, the Wyatt family, while it started hot, you know, just wasn't dealt with the right way, I think, by creative. I think Bray Wyatt, as a singles wrestler wasn't dealt with the right way by creative. And then he comes back as the fiend, you know, wearing this mask and and just just having this persona and this aura about him that was just so different from before and uh, and and just so unique and so creepy and and doing it really well. and then he goes on to win, you know the uh, I, th- I think he won the world championship um, from uh, I think it was from uh, Seth Rollins uh, in in reigns for a bit and then summarily loses it to Goldberg. <laughs> no one's gonna put down the fiend like a 50 year old goldberg
0: (laughs) yep vince mcmahon ladies and gentlemen Ah, yep uh
2: so on the other side of the bracket we have uh shinsuke nakamura who came into nxt
0: um let me switch over to his profile and just give me a second. I can't even imagine how many tabs you have open right now. It must be—it just must be your your machine is like Chrome is just sucking the life out of your machine right uh, now. Ah,
2: no, this 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 Mac Mini is is uh, you know is beefy baby. It's beefy. Uh, it, can, it can handle it. It's got like eight cores in there. It's all good. All right. Uh, Shinsuke starts off in, uh, I believe, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you know, kind of, uh, I mean, he, he started way, way before, uh, you know, the 2010s, but uh, develops into the King of Strong style, you know, this very stiff style that he likes to work where he becomes uh, IWGP Intercontinental Champion um, and, uh, and I believe Heavyweight Champion as well. Uh, comes to NXT in uh, 2016. Um, like I mentioned, had amazing matches with Sami Zayn um, and and many others, um, just just having great, great matches. When he came into the main roster, um, he and AJ Styles did have a match at WrestleMania 34. Um, kind of, I, I hate to use the word disappointing, but a lot of people were expecting a lot more from the match than, than what we got. It, but I also think it may be because folks were remembering a younger styles and a younger nakamura mm-hmm. working a very different you know kind of style in in new japan and it just doesn't translate in, into wwe and so um, so as much as they were trying to have you know a great you know great match together it just didn't quite you know ca- come together the way they hoped um, well, like
0: St- oh sorry and like we've talked about with fans i mean fans are are tough to please and fans can be their own worst enemy like yeah. famously McFoley talking about when he finally was able to wrestle you know uh uh i'm completely forgetting uh the
2: sorry i don't know who you're talking about
0: in uh in ecw uh the sheik's grandson or whatever um
2: the Sheik's oh uh, Sabu Sabu
0: yes and that was like the dream match and they everyone oh had,
2: right right and it, and
0: it had gone on for so long and when they finally had the match people were disappointed he says people were disappointed because they legit thought they were going to see someone die in the ring mm. and it's, you have that sort of thing where it can if it simmers for too long fans are are going to build it up so high there's no way you can meet those expectations. And that—that that exactly. case, of course, and then age and everything else, and then the stylistic difference. I mean, yeah, the, WWE is its own animal. Like you, when you wrestle in WWE, you wrestle their way. Yep. Period. Yep. Even if it's kind of your style, it's going to be adjusted for what they want you to do because they're cutting the checks. Yep. Yeah. Anyways.
2: So, uh, yeah. So he he has a run with the United States Championship for a period of time. um, Doesn't really, and then I I think he has a run as the Intercontinental Champion. Um, Doesn't really enter into the um, uh, world title picture at all. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, from Wikipedia, uh, when he won the Intercontinental Championship from Finn Balor, Uh, the win made him the second man after Chris Jericho to have held both the IWGP and WWE intercontinental championships, as well as the first Asian born wrestler to win the title. So interesting. So kind of interesting story there. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, so, so Shinsuke, you know, has a strong, um, strong run in, in, new Japan for the kind of the first half of the decade, second half comes into NXT has a strong, you know, kind of end of the decade and, and is really, you know, kind of establishes, you know, really a constant kind of WWE talent now really entertaining really fun you know we talked about his time with Sami Zayn, and you know and then they like he had a, a run as like king nakamura um as well uh and so uh you know just just a very entertaining guy um and and you know fun wrestler to watch so with all that being said are we going to go with uh the king of strong style or the king of weird style bray wyatt
0: you know i was all set to go with Bray wyatt but you know what i'm going with shinsuke um, really? And wow. this is And it's mostly because I'm going to I'm just going to say right here, like the in bracket I'm going to take some liberties this time because I technically speaking I should go for Bray Wyatt, like just by the virtue of him That's having for. having a world title that ought to do it. Yep. However, and I hate to say this, but I am going to allow some of what we know now to intrude upon this and I kind of wonder how much of his own worst enemy Bray is when it comes to his creative, Mm -hmm. you know, because it doesn't seem like there's, there's much of a plan beyond, wouldn't it be cool if, Mm -hmm. and then there's not really like, okay, well then how does that character survive beyond wouldn't it be cool if like, he seems to come up with some really interesting, wacky, like cool edgy concepts that don't really survive out in the wild very long you know with with the with the same oomph that you would like them to um whereas shinsuke nakamura i feel like that's a guy who probably should have i've i've seen him wrestle you know at the tail end of this decade and then of course since then that's a guy who who should be in a perfect world he should have been higher up the card
1: Mm-hmm. he really yeah. should have
0: like that's a yeah. guy who i mean good lord if you put him if you take it somehow managed to give him a mouthpiece like paul Heyman or mm-hmm. something you put him in in a group and and you make him like truly like a, just an assassin type guy mm-hmm. who just goes around and lays waste to people <laughs> come on yeah. entertaining is even more entertaining than he is now um so i'm i'm going with my heart in this one i just because i feel like i don't think he got his due in that decade i still think he does and unfortunately the dude's like 43 now so chances are he ain't getting his due either which kind of sucks yeah but anyways i'm
2: I'm gonna go with bray wyatt i i I think uh you know the the wyatt family the fiend and and really you know he 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 became a staple of of that decade and Mm -hmm. and just a lot of great feuds so i'm i'm gonna give him the nod over shinsuke Yeah.
0: yeah i probably should have too but i'm you know what screw it play in bracket this is a freebie
2: all right. All right. Our next matchup, Chris Jericho versus
0: Samoa Joe. <laughs> the king of just walking away from somebody trying to do a move on him. <laughs> yes. I love yes. that. There's like a five minute compilation on YouTube of him just like someone going up for a move and him just walking out of the way. I, yeah. One yeah. of the best things ever. Oh, it's so good. That is funny. I'll see that if I can funny. find that and include that in the show notes.
2: Uh so let's see. Um when let me see. So Jericho, interestingly enough, I, I guess he just left for a short period of time, but he comes back in 2011, I guess. So the start of the decade has a great feud with CM Punk. Um, and, uh, you know, I think at the time Punk was doing his his best in the world bit. And so they were, you know, kind of going back and forth about that. Um, let's see. I'm just trying. I think he was pursuing the world title. I don't think he won the world title, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, he keeps going in 2014, 2016, through 2016. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, like you know, I see these in a bunch of feuds, but I just don't see anything that is of major import. You know, like, no. I'm just not seeing him winning world titles. I mean, he's in the conversation, but just not winning anything. Um,
0: well, much like CM Punk, he was one of those dudes that he was never going to get the same push Yeah. Or the same money or the same recognition as the bigger guys. Yeah. He just wasn't. Well, he was also
2: in a different phase of his career at this point. He had been
0: a world champion multiple times. Well, no, but but even then, like he wasn't, there were times like much like CM Punk, like he's a champ, Mm -hmm. but he's not in the main event. Like, how does that work? Yeah. You know, unless you have a generational match happening there. Yeah. How is that? How is the champion not the main event? Like, that doesn't yeah. make sense. And and that's the kind of the thing I see with both of them is it as much money as they might have drawn for whatever reason, that's like, oh no, you're just not, you're not quite our guy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of dumb, but I mean, Hey, I don't own WWE.
2: Uh, he does have that period of, uh, 2016, 2017, where he's doing the list, mm. uh, that, that becomes a big thing, a big gimmick. Um, spend some time with, uh, Kevin Owens and, and, and they have, you know, kind of an interesting, uh, you know, partnership. And then of course, like all good partnerships, it, it ends up breaking up, uh, not, not very well. And so, um, Owens, um, let's see. Yeah. It looks like Owens attacks Jericho who's carried on a stretcher and then Jericho was kind of written off TV. Um, I think that was, oh, he had a segment with Elias, I guess, putting him on the list of Jericho. And then, yeah, he left, I think, in like 20, yeah, 2018, I think is mm-hmm. when he left. And so he went to New Japan Pro Wrestling. He feuded with Kenny Omega, won the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, and then became the, um, the inaugural AEW World Champion when, Le uh, champion in AEW uh, when they opened in 2019. A so, little bit of the bubbly. A little bit of the bubbly. So uh, Chris Jericho, pretty, you know, kind of a, you know, ho-hum kind of 2010 for him, but ended with him as kind of a cornerstone of a new, uh, you know, a new promotion and, and helping mm. that promotion establish themselves. Uh, and then we have Samoa Joe, who was uh, in Impact Wrestling at the start of this uh, decade, um, part of the uh, the new made event mafia, Um Was in the uh, world title conversation, um, and actually won the world title a few times uh, during this this time period. Uh, He goes to uh, WWE in 2015, um, is NXT champion, and uh, just just a just a phenomenal talent, you know, all around. Uh, Just has great matches. Comes to the main roster, um, has some great feuds, uh, you know, with, um, let's see, with Balor, with with Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Seth Rollins, um, Brock Lesnar. Uh, he had a very memorable, you know, challenge to, to Brock Lesnar during, I think it was like the summer of 2017 or 2018. Um, just, you, you know, being one of the few guys who, in spite of being a little bit smaller than Lesnar, was... But you know could could shove him around and 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 could push him around and actually seem like a legitimate threat, you know to to beating him. Um, so just a lot of fun there, um, and and just a great great entrance for this guy. I mean his his music starts and the crowd goes nuts and everyone's like you know Joe's gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I like I love that chant before the match even starts. You know I mean it's just like. You, you you know you know you carry some cachet when you got that so mm-hmm. so multi-time NXT champion um, and then multi-time uh, I think he won the uh, I thought it was the Intercontinental Championship maybe I'm mistaken here but tag team championship looks like uh, yeah Intercontinental Championship I believe so yeah he he had he had a pretty good run um, throughout the throughout the decade as a impact and WWE wrestler so who sir are you going to select uh, Chris Jericho or Samoa Joe?
0: Uh, as much as I like Le Champion, I'm going with Samoa Joe. Um, nice, you know Jericho. Yeah, he, he he had his moments. Of course, you have the championships in Japan, and then of course AEW champion. But I, you know, it was he's. I I say he was definitely he's on the back nine of his career. But of course, he's yeah. still out there right now. Um, so who the hell knows when he'll actually ever call it quits? Um, but I just I I like the idea. You know, I just I've always liked. Samoa Joe. The limited times I've seen him, because again, I wasn't watching a ton during this time, but I just, Mm -hmm. I just like the dude and and he had such a unique kind of persona that I just, I really enjoyed him. Nice. Nice. I'm
2: going to take Samoa Joe as well in this, in this round. So, uh, Respect to Le Champion, but uh, I'm 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 in the bag for Samoa Joe. I I absolutely love his matches, and and this was this was a great decade for him. Really, really was excited to see him in WWE and get get some you know real real exposure and and be able to be on that stage. So, all right, uh, second to last of the play in AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose. So. AJ Styles thusly, uh part of uh Impact at the start of the decade, um, part of the reconstituted four horsemen, uh, as blessed by Rick Flair called Fortune. Um he was a world. Everybody
0: champ. has been a horseman at some point or another. Yep. AJ as well.
2: Um, but uh yeah, in basically as an Impact through twenty fourteen, um, you know, he's in the conversation of, of the world title and um and basically um uh, Basically started to play kind of a lone wolf character a little bit uh, during the uh, Aces and Eights kind of motorcycle gang thing that Bully Ray was doing, um, but eventually leaves and goes to New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he um, finds uh, a great deal of success uh, in as the leader of the Bullet Club, becomes IWGP Heavyweight Champion, um, just has some just amazing matches uh, with Shinsuke Nakamura um, and others. This is where, of course, he's partnered up with Carl Anderson. Uh, and Luke Gallows, uh, who later joined WWE or joined him in WWE as the club. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it just has, has a really, really uh, good, you know, good run there. And then comes into WWE in 2016 at the Royal Rumble with, uh, you know, heavily rumored and, you know, the crowd just, you know, really went nuts when he came out and, and he himself says, I don't even know if these people are going to remember who I am or know who I am. And, uh, and, and, but he was, he, as an international star, he was well known and he, he was a great, great find for WWE. So, you know, I was really excited when he joined, Um wanted to see him much like Samoa Joe, you know, have some great success. And he did, he became uh, WWE world heavyweight champion. Uh, I think he reigned for over a year. Um, throughout 2017 and 2018 um, forms. They, they could only call themselves the club because Bullet Club, of course, was trademarked. So uh, he and Gallows and Anderson, you know, had, had a good run that way. And then, uh, of course, he ends the decade aligned with Omos or Omos.
1: Omos, yes.
2: <laughs> Which I think was his way of trying to, like, you know, train him up and, and show him the ropes. And, well, you can only teach a, a you know, a dog to find the water, right? So
0: i don't know man i think omas is i mean well then again we have no idea but the, his match sure. with, with lesnar i mean it kind of leads you to think like maybe they're figuring out what to do with this there's guy a Promise, yeah Who there's a promise the there's a so. promise there
2: so yeah so aj styles uh that was his decade and then dean ambrose uh one member of the shield uh and uh, you know starting in nxt um kind of was interesting he he was trying to do a, an interesting character uh, where, he, where he confronted uh, Mick Foley this was like in 2012 um, you know and and he, he was you know trying to antagonize Foley you know for his hardcore ways and that sort of thing and then that just kind of disappeared and he just showed up as a member of the shield but the shield became quite a dominant faction um, won a lot of gold. Um, great matches with the Wyatt family, um, John Cena and, and and numerous other people just, you know, when their music came on and they came out, they just dominated. They, they had a really, really great run. Um, and then uh, like all groups, they, they break up eventually. And uh, uh, and so he ended up having some some really good feuds with um, with Seth Rollins um, and uh, with Kevin Owens uh, over the Intercontinental Championship. Seth Rollins over the World Championship becomes a World Champion himself um, as well. And then uh, they reform the Shield. And then he leaves uh, in 2019 uh, and heads over to AEW, where he later becomes a World Champion there. So uh, so you know, really a, a really really strong you know outing this this decade with with Dean Ambrose being part of that kind of groundbreaking fra- uh, faction um then the three of them becoming, you know, singles, superstars themselves, him being able to become a, a, a you know, intercontinental and multi-time world champion, um, having some really great matches with with Seth, Seth Rollins and others and, um, and, and just kind of being this, he, you know, he, he was kind of this unhinged character, but he couldn't be as unhinged as he is now in AEW. And so now I think he's really playing the character he always wanted to play. And so, uh, so anyway, so, uh, yes, sir. We have AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose. Who are you taking?
0: I'm going with AJ Styles, and it's it's a total preference thing. I just I yeah. never have I never dug Dean Ambrose's shtick. Mm-hmm. and even though he might have a, a slightly better resume in terms of WWE, you know, stats or you know accolades, I, I just I'm just not a fan. I you know yeah. not my jam. Yeah. And understood. You know, understood. Wish the guy well. All right,
2: all right. Well, uh, our next match is going
0: to be. Wait, CM wait, wait, wait. Punk. wait. Who are you going with?
2: Oh, sorry. I thought I. I keep thinking I say it, and I probably haven't. Uh, I'm going with AJ Styles as well. Okay. I'm, I'm a big, big AJ Styles fan, and and this was the apex of I think his career, and so I uh, r- really enjoyed watching it. Got to watch some of it with my sons, as they were kind of getting into wrestling, and um, and so it was it was a lot of fun to 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 get to watch his matches and and see him put on quite a show. All right, our next, uh, our last play-in matchup is going to be Finn Balor versus CM Punk. So uh, I am going to start with Mr. Balor, who um, again is another uh, stalwart of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, and another member of the Bullet Club. Uh, so he uh, basically was one of, the, I, I think he was the first leader, really, when the group kind of came together. Um, really formed it as, as kind of a, uh, I don't even call, it, like I don't want to call it. A four horseman group i mean they they were just like a gang of thugs and they just you know kind of ran rampant uh, over you know a lot of the the baby faces and kind of like an nwo maybe but just a little bit different and mm-hmm. so different feel to it and so uh so he was really involved with that. He came to WWE in 2014. Um, this is where we saw the demon character as well as, uh, you know, regular Finn Balor. And so, uh, he had a lot of really great matches, um, you know, uh, across his time in, in NXT world champion, uh, of NXT several times. Um, he comes into the main roster, um, becomes the very first universal champion at SummerSlam, but unfortunately gets injured in the match with Seth Rollins and, uh, has to forfeit the title. Um, and unfortunately, does not find his way back uh, to to the Universal title, but is really just kind of a, you know, a constant, uh, you know, talent who who is, you know, really pushed, pushed hard and uh, and has some really good feuds um, with those he uh, faces. Um, I don't know. I, oh, I think he won the Intercontinental Championship, uh, went back to NXT and kind of uh, started to go back to his um, his uh, he was called Prince. Oh, what the heck was he called? No idea. Prince something, and then in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, I can't think of it, and I can't find it. Anyways, he was kind of going back to some of the attitude from that character, and and really kind of becoming a more edgier, you know, like version of himself. And so, um, yeah, it's really going to kill me. I can't find that name. Oh, I think it was called like Prince Devitt or something like that. Let me find his name. Sure. Let's go with Finn that. Finn Balor. Yeah, Prince Devitt, I think, is what he was called there. Did he wear like a nice ascot? uh he did not that would be mr uh, jericho sir oh um, true true but but well 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 tried uh but yeah but became an nxt champion again um before you know coming back to the main roster so you know k- kind of had an up and down run where uh you know he he had some highs but then you know injuries and you know just general booking just kind of you know messed with his trajectory but all in all a very consistent you know wrestler um always having great matches and and just had a really strong uh really strong decade Uh, CM Punk um, started the decade as WWE champion in 2011. He had some just amazing matches with John Cena. um, And, uh, and and really, this was, you know, this was kind of the apex of his time, he held the the championship for for, gosh, I want to say like 300 and some odd days. He held it for over a year. Mm. Um, and it was really, uh, unfortunately for him was in that boat of, you know, being the champion, but not being put in the main event. And so, um, you know, it was great to see him as champion, you know, had, had, had a great run with it, but nonetheless, um, you know, really, uh, you know, struggled to 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 be that main event talent had, you know, had a great just had great matches consistently. He had a great match with Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, not not a title match, just a, a great match um, and really became this like workers wrestler where, you know, n- no matter who he was fighting, he was always, um, you know, just putting on great matches. Um, oh, his world title run—I'm sorry—was 434 days, and that was broken by The Rock, hmm. who uh, beat of him course. for the title, of course. Because, uh, th- unfortunately, like I said in the beginning, this is the, this is the pattern: the the part-time, you know, past superstar wrestlers were were given preference over you know the the ones who who worked hard, and so, um, and so you know, Punk uh, ended up, you know, I think his last WrestleMania was when he faced the Undertaker to try to defeat him uh, and break his streak, and that did not happen. Uh, but they had a phenomenal. Match, um, and then he went on to uh, feud with the Wyatt family, um, but eventually leaves in 2014 after the Royal Rumble, um, where he he, he had kind of just had enough, and um, and there were a lot of other things going on, which could be an entire episode unto itself. We won't go into that. Um, but really at that point he, he's gone for, for the rest of, of the decade. So he has a really strong 2011 to 2014 as world champion. Um, and, and just, you know, really, I think was firing on all cylinders during that time, kind of like a Bret Hart sort of feel to, to his, to his matches and just the excellence that was in them. But, uh, but yeah, unfortunately cut short at uh, 2014. So, uh, so between Finn Balor and CM Punkster, who are you taking?
0: You know, much like uh, CM Punk is a Paul Heyman guy, I am a CM Punk guy. Mm-hmm. So I will go with the the few years of 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 really great over a consistent decade. Um, yeah, and I I know that I probably should pick Finn Balor there, but I just I, I again also going into the fact that I'm just I. I I can't stand Vince McMahon and I I just I think that there are many of the societal ills that we are experiencing today that are all going back to him and his stupid ass mustache that, that basically WWE did CM Punk dirty you know yeah. and I yep. and you know what I'm taking it out on him here and I'm going with my heart and I'm picking CM Punk
2: well I will quote the Iron Sheik when I say uh on uh on on Vincent Kennedy McMahon and yes. I, I too am gonna go with uh CM Punk on this one. Uh if if you go back in, in whether it's YouTube or if you have a Peacock subscription and you want to go back into WWE during that period, his matches were just unparalleled. He he had such great matches and, and really you can see how proud he is as champion and how he's trying to carry himself in spite of the way they were booking him and, and really trying to, you know, do whatever he could to, to really, you know, shine, you know, you know, just, just elevate the title and, and bring, you know, really great wrestling and into the, into the company. And it just wasn't appreciated. So hundred percent, I'm going to go with CM Punk on this one. I, I like, I'm a Finn Balor fan too, but I, I feel like Punk just had a, a, a more significant run, you know, during this period.
0: So. Yes, indeed, and well, now because we've been here for approximately three hours, I'm going to yeah. need to take a little bit of a break. So,
2: oh, okay, you know, cue the elevator music.
0: I'm, I we're going to adjourn for a moment while I visit <sighs> my chambers
2: <laughs> and uh,
0: consult <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> my legal library for this next.
2: Uh...
0: <laughs> wow. I, <okay.
2: laughs>
0: You know what? How about you just do that while I go, and I'll just leave that in.
2: By, by your library, are you talking about the magazine collection you have in your bathroom?
0: Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, keep magazines in there, because those aren't going to collect anything. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's nice. Have a nice little fecal Petri dish sitting next to your, sitting next to your throne, then you're going to uh, paw over them as you're sitting there. Good Make Lord. sure you lick your finger, too, as you're turning the page, because, yeah, mm-hmm. and see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll be back in a minute. Uh-huh. All right. All right. So now we move on to the actual bracket. And and here we're going to do our little dance where here I, I ask and implore, actually, Tim, that we, we speed things up a little bit so that this can be done before dawn breaks uh, and I can get some sleep. And and he'll he'll assure me that he is going to to proceed in a timely fashion and then read the Wikipedia article for each wrestler. So now that we've done that little dance. If if you turn to him, 472. Proceed, sir.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Baba, proceed. Jeez. All right. And there will uh, be a
0: spelling contest at the end of this, where he's going to make me spell Shinsuke Nakamura.
2: There we go. There we go. All right. Well, in our uh, first round uh, matchup here, we have Kofi. So for me, I have Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar, and uh, I will have to say, unfortunately for Mister Kingston, Lesnar is going to once again go over in a squash because the achievements of this man uh, far far outweighs uh, you know the the wonderful run that Kingston had. And the wonderful faction he created with his two compatriots that stands the test of time. But uh, Brock Lesnar is going to advance in my first round uh, matchup. How about you, sir?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, not in a walk, but about as close as you can get to a respectful walk, you know? And that has a lot to do with just the fact of how they're booked. It's Mm -hmm. not a reflection on Kofi's abilities or lack thereof, because, I mean, he's an incredibly talented performer charismatic as all get out you just see that dude and you're just kind of like you know what i like that yeah. dude yeah but the way they book brock i mean it's again like that that talent you just can't mess it up and putting paul Heyman with him as his advocate i mean it's a one-two punch i mean come on yep yep
2: all right so lesnar advances into the semifinals. we have in our next round uh next first round matchup bray wyatt versus samoa joe who are you
0: going with uh, I've got Shinsuke versus Samoa Joe.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. You had Shinsuke. You're right. You're right. Shinsuke versus Samoa Joe for you. Bray versus Samoa Joe for me. Who are you picking?
0: You know what? I, I did not plan on this going this way, but Cinderella is staying at the ball. Shinsuke. <laughs> very nice. Very
2: nice. All right. Uh, Well, this is where uh, as much as I enjoy Samoa Joe, uh, I I just feel like Bray Wyatt broke a little bit more ground than him and uh, and had a a much, uh, much more impactful run uh, this this time around. So I'm going to advance Bray Wyatt into the, uh, quarterfinal round.
0: He is the eater of worlds. I mean, he is the eater of worlds. You
2: know. All right. Uh, now my next, uh, or my third match of the first round is AJ Styles versus CM Punk. Do you have the same?
0: Correct, sir.
2: All right. Uh, I will go first this time. And, uh, you know, I, as I said, I am in the bag for Punk as much as anyone, but, uh, I think AJ Styles had a much more significant run this decade and, and really, um, you know, became kind of a stalwart for WWE toward you know the middle to the end of the decade. Uh, it really becoming kind of like the Shawn Michaels, you know, for for the roster, just just having phenomenal matches with whoever he went in the ring with. And so I'm going to uh, go with AJ Styles here.
0: I'm going to agree. This is the the pick of of CM Punk was a little bit of an honorary sort of thing. Keep him Uh,
2: in the conversation, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, and the thing is, I feel bad because he does deserve some sort of place in these brackets because he definitely is influential Mm -hmm. to professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. It just so happened that 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 period of influence really straddled two decades in a way that it didn't lend it to one of the other, really getting too far into the bracket of either one.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) All right, sir. Uh, we now move on to our next first round matchup uh, with two people we have not talked about. So I will go into my next sermon.
0: A guy, a guy who's who's made, who made made his gimmick because he was white and he could rap, and another guy who got there just because he's whiter than every other human being on the planet—a <laughs> hitherto unknown <laughs> shade of white that is oh. damn near glow in the dark. But yes. God love him. He is a he, again a quality follow on on Instagram. I will say it again. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. Uh, Cena um, just continues the role he was on from the two thousands. Here um, has two phenomenal main events at WrestleMania with The Rock. Um, has great matches with Brock Lesnar. Holds both the WWE Championship and the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, holds the United States Championship and begins. Uh, you know this this great. Um, gimmick that he started, uh, holding an open challenge every week. So, um, you know, really welcoming whoever wanted to, uh, you know, come and challenge him for the belt. You know, this is when the, you know, you want some, come get some, uh, started. And, uh, and that led to a very, um, you know, really something that helped elevate Kevin Owens, uh, when he was NXT champion, he came out to answer the call and, uh, and, and really, uh, you know, put, put Cena down, you know, not, not in a match, but just, you know, from a promo and from a, you know, uh, assaulting him standpoint to really just show how, how, um, you know, vicious he was. So, um, but, uh, let's see, um, what happened here? Oh, and then I, I wanted to mention this. Um, Yeah, Cena faced Rollins in a winner-take-all match in Summerslam for both the world WWE World Heavyweight Championship and U.S. Championship, which Cena lost after guest host John Stewart, yes, that John Stewart, (laughs) appeared uh, at the side of Cena and and instead attacked him with a steel chair, ending Cena's reign at 147 days uh, for the United States Championship.
0: So WWE is a weird place, folks. It is weird place. It is.
2: Um, had a great feud with AJ Styles. Um. Really, uh, you know, just from that point on, just, you know, kind of had some great, you know, feuds where he was kind of uh, helping establish, you know, other talent. Um, and then, you know, started to go more part time in 2019. So, um, so yeah, so John Cena, you know, really, really strong run. Um, and then we have Sheamus, who I talked about uh, with uh, Cesaro, who formed, uh, you know, the bar tag team from, I think, 2015, 2016 on uh, through through much of that time period. Um, he was world heavyweight champion. He was a king King of the ring and Royal, Womble, Royal Rumble winner in the early part of the decade, won the World Heavyweight Championship in 2012-2013, was United States champion, then formed this really bad faction called the League of Nations with uh, Rusev, Wade Barrett, and Alberto Del Rio, which went nowhere, <laughs> uh, and then formed the tag team The Bar with Cesaro, which uh, saw a little bit more uh, action and that sort of thing. So uh, with all that background, sir, uh, John Cena
0: or Sheamus, who are you taking you know that, that the 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 League of Nations must have been a horrific faction for you know the his partnership with the human yawn to <laughs> to be considered an upgrade. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Now coming down the aisle. Su-hoo. Oh come on now. <laughs> I know Ooh. you. Uh, John Cena. I mean, come All on. All right. All right. I mean, they, they, the guy book got book so strong. I don't know how you could how you could pick anyone else.
2: Yep. Yep. All right. Moving it right along. As I'm Uncle guessing, Todd you is asked. also went
0: with a big match, John.
2: Uh oh! I, I didn't know I was allowed to give my answer. I was moving things along here. Um,
0: wow. Okay. <laughs> We're getting into the caddy portion of the evening. <laughs> Apparently, Tim didn't have his third steak of the day, so he's a little <laughs> angry right now.
2: i need to get some uh, beef jerky. Pardon me for a moment.
0: You need to get a Slim Jim. That's what you need.
2: Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, I did select John Cena. Yep. I figured the, okay. the, the resume was just simply stronger. So you had to go with it. Um, all right. Our next first round matchup is actually, uh, we're going to kill two birds with one stone in a way, both shield, both remaining shield members, Roman reigns versus Seth Rollins. And yes. so uh, for those um, who are uninitiated, the shield uh, debuted in 2012 and uh, went on quite a run as a heelish uh, faction that would come in and just beat the tar out of everyone
0: excuse me uh, they like cm punk's like protectors or something didn't that isn't that where they started out no they, they were,
2: he feuded with them they were um actually oh. supposed to um okay. uh i think at one point they were talking about that and then i think they ended up being you know kind of like a um oh, oh let me see wait a minute Oh, I think they did help initially. Yeah. They came down and helped him win. I'm sorry, but they weren't like known as his enforcers. It was just like they interfered in like one match and then Uh they totally were disassociated from him after that. It was weird. Hmm. So anywho, um, yeah, they go on a run, uh, a lot of great rivalries. If, If folks are familiar with the shield, go check out YouTube. You'll see a lot of good stuff. Um, they break up in 2014, all go their own ways. Um, let's see uh reigns uh wins the wd world heavyweight championship um oh wait a minute let me see if it'll be coming yeah so he wins the championship um but was forced to defend it in the royal rumble match that's where triple h wins which was really strange booking at the time because i'm like why on earth would you let a part-timer you know again this was the theme the part-timers were beating the the full-timers for some reason yep um
0: which goes still to, continues now when you think about it. And Roman Reigns is on the right side of it now.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Uh, goes on to have some great matches with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. Um, a set of matches where he's on the losing end of it, but then finally wins the Universal Championship and defeats him. And uh, um, let me see. And then has to summarily forfeit the title uh, when a very real-life uh, you know, challenge of leukemia kind of crops back up in his life, but remarkably, uh, he puts it in remission in four months and comes back and, uh, and continues to, um, you know, just continues to roll. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, Rain's really kind of rising up through the decade as, as the main event, you know, talent that, uh, I think, you know, they, they saw in him as, as an NXT, uh, you know, uh, starter and, and really, um, you know, really what gets forgotten is just how many WrestleMania main events he's been in. I mean, he, he is he really from, I think, you know, 2016 on. I mean, he was in at least three or four matches with Lesnar in the main event um, and, and really, uh, really has dominated that. So so reigns reigns strong. Um, Seth Rollins, not too shabby either. And this is what makes it hard because both of these guys, um, and this was the thing with the shield. All these guys had, had really, really good, um, runs, uh, individually once they broke up. And so, you know, he becomes the uh, WD World Heavyweight Champion in uh, 2014. He's part of the Authority storyline as the, you know, kind of chosen champion. Um, Shield reunites uh, for a period. He becomes Intercontinental Champion, um, becomes Universal Champion. Uh, then he, he basically at the end of the decade, he's starting the, uh, we're we're starting to get a little bit of, of the Rollins we see now where he starts this Messiah gimmick, which, you know, at some point, you know, leads into the, you know, drip, you know, Seth Rollins gimmick, which leads into the, you know, whatever he is now gimmick. So Seth um,
0: freaking Rollins,
2: Seth freaking Rollins. Thank you. So, uh, yeah. So
0: ridiculous outfits imaginable. And I thought there was, there was actually a clip on Instagram where, Uh, He was showing off his his ring attire for WrestleMania to Mm. to Becky Lynch, his wife, uh, who he credits for kind of getting him pushing him to 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 dress in this crazier and crazier way, because I I think his if I remember I was on like Broken Skull Sessions. And he talked about it. He's like, yeah, because she dresses like a psycho anyways. And I'm just like, that's <laughs> <so> awesome. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, I know. I'm married to her. And my God, I can't believe that she gets away with it. Yep. But she was so jealous. Like, you could see it in her eyes. Like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. I'm so mad at you for getting that, not me. Yep. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's yeah. ridiculous now, though. But, yeah, that, that is sort of that's the beginning point, the launching off point, if you will.
2: Yep. Um, he, oh, uh, Seth also feuded with Sting. Um, and, and unfortunately it was during that, during one of the matches killed him. I think, yeah, yeah, where he, he did the, uh, he, he did this buckle bomb where he would, you know, power bomb him into the turnbuckle and, and sting just, um, uh, his, his back did not like or his neck did not like that. So, well, I think sting
0: was like what in his sting was in his fifties then, wasn't he? I think, yeah, I think so. Cause he's gotta yeah. be almost, he's gotta be in his sixties now, isn't he? God, yes. he's still out yeah. there. Yep. The hell he's gonna be retiring soon but who knows but still dude it's like unless you are like hogan dumb with your money yeah what in the hell are you doing i don't know <sighs> i don't know but anyways but Rollins,
2: uh, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, was the first person to cash in money in the bank at WrestleMania, uh, when Reigns was fighting Lesnar and he snuck in there and won the title. It was one of the, uh, I mean, just very memorable. I, I remember that being on ESPN. I think that might have been when ESPN and WD started to, you know, have like a partnership and they were promoting, you know, some of the events and some of the things happening in the events, but Rollins was on the front page of ESPN.com the next morning. Um, cause it, it was a shocker people mm. did, you know, where they were looking to see who would be Lesnar or reigns and Rollins runs in out of nowhere and and I think it was after he had lost to Randy Orton too. Um, I think that was the event where Um, Randy Orton basically like goes to backdrop him and Rollins goes sky high and he catches him in the RKO as he comes down. It was just an incredible, incredible visual. Hmm. And, uh, and, and Rollins is a solid worker, solid worker all around. So highly decorated, um, you know, just, just won all sorts of championships during this decade. uh, And is, you know, really, you know, one one of the foundational members of WWE. So uh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. So what are you going to go with, Sir Roman Reigns or Seth Rollins?
0: This is not a tough one, Seth Rollins, because this was a period of time when when WWE Mm -hmm. and let's just face it, Vince was bound and determined to push Roman Reigns down the throat of the masses and they weren't having it. And Vince was either not listening or just didn't care. Mm -hmm. And he kept on pushing, kept on pushing and kept on pushing. And it's a far cry. I mean, if you go back and listen to our episodes from several years ago when I used to talk about Roman Reigns matches, I was grading his matches in the negative thousand star range because he was just there was something about him, his character at that point and the way he was being pushed by the WWE that was I, I there was offended me on a genetic level to now where dudes, the franchise like he is the guy and and deservedly so. Like he's managed to they've they've creatively they've managed to figure it out and he has figured it out. In the 2010s, from what I've remembered and from what I've what I've read of him, he they, people weren't having that. <laughs> yeah. So yep. so Rollins, yeah. Yep. Definitely had more impact in in a way that In a positive way, instead of like, oh yeah, he gets a reaction, but it's something that's, it's starting to head towards X-Pac heat, you know, go away heat, not, Mm -hmm. not heal heat. So yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Mr. Rollins. Thank you.
2: And I am going to go with Mr. Rollins as well.
0: Wow. I kind of expected you to go Roman Reigns, like just totally heal it up on me.
2: Nope. Nope. going with Rollins. I, I think he had the the more solid decade, and and was really, uh, you know, r- you know, r- really the ball was given to him, and he ran with it, and and he had a really strong run, um, you know, with with uh, you know with those opportunities. So um reigns was uh, you know i feel like he was in kind of that building mode you know he he was he was slowly growing into what he needed to be but he just wasn't there and to your point you know vince was shoving him down our throat and you know doing it almost to, to spite us all so um so yeah i'm gonna go with rollins on this one all right
0: all right hey. our next matchup
2: uh they some call him brian danielson other, others call him daniel brian uh versus... some people call him maurice and some people call him Maurice. Wow, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, versus Randy. Everybody, all, anyone ten.
0: under like 30 listen is like, they're so freaking old. We are. Yeah, we sure. are
2: uh all right so it starts uh so he had been in wwe uh after a run uh as part of the nexus um he becomes united states champion this is daniel bryan i'm talking about um becomes world heavyweight champion during this time um has the run with kane uh as team hell no um (laughs) and then slowly morphs into the yes movement which becomes this like just you know, for as we just talked about with Reigns, if the fans were were upset with Vince over pushing Reigns down our throat, it all the more fueled them to cheer uh, Daniel Bryan um, mm-hmm. and, and the Yes movement uh, to the tune of him, um, you know, really rising up against the odds and closing WrestleMania 30 as the uh, WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Um he unfortunately has to forfeit the belts, uh, I believe, uh, due to injury. Uh, and so, um, so he gets stripped of the belts, but then continues to have, you know, the babyface run of the yes movement and goes in and earns the intercontinental championship. Um, he then has to retire for a period of time. Um, and let me see, yeah, it was concussion based um, then he so then he goes into this period of, of not being able to really perform um, because of of you know just the the trauma he had endured, and so he's uh, basically the SmackDown general manager for two years, but then um, he gets cleared and comes back, um, and uh, comes back as the new Daniel Bryan, um, who basically is a heel and uh, despises you know the non-environmental, uh, non-environmentalist, uh, fans, um, to, to the tune of, of having a, a basically hemp based, uh, world he- WW championship belt fashioned for himself when he wins it. Um, so, cause you know, he's all about, uh, you know, the, the environmental and uh, the environment and environmental causes. Oh my gosh. Who came up with this? Oh, it, it was good when he was doing it. I mean, it, it was like, it, it was just you know like nuclear heel heat uh, it just just the way he did it it, it was fantastic um all right. and then cuz uh, it pursued, sounds
0: lame but i guess it, maybe in execution it was great i, I kind of had to be there kind of okay. had to be there, all right so. fair enough uh
2: but uh but yeah daniel Bryan, very very strong decade for him uh, in wwe and then we have randy orton who has been around uh you know at this point for you know almost 10 years going into this decade uh young you know youngest heavyweight champion um, multi-time champion uh, holds the world heavyweight title for several occasions across the early part of the decade um, part of the authority uh, wins the WWE championship again so he's he's in the world title picture quite a bit shockingly becomes part of the Wyatt family in 2016 and 2017 I don't know if you remember this but he, well, he
0: what didn't he like he lost a match so he had to become part of the family or something I think like so, that yeah, yeah. it but, was an but, but unwilling became, member
2: yeah yeah, well, I, he was willing for a while, and then it then it devolved into a, you know, then, then uh, you thought he was part of it, and then, yeah, to your point, he kind of turned out of it, and then that led to their match at WrestleMania. So um, U.S. champion, uh, returned to the legend killer gimmick for a period of time. So, so you know, Randy, strong, strong decade for him too. So to me, this is another toughie of, uh, you know, two, two greats. But who are you going with? Uh,
0: on one hand i like the the underdog story of daniel bryan achieving against the his own booking like one of those things where it's like the crowd reaction was so strong almost in a way like i feel like cm punk was probably along those same lines like like, well we kind of got to elevate him because people aren't going to stop cheering him and then they kind of were like yeah but then we it doesn't mean we have to like it pal you know um, and unfortunately in his case, like the the injuries kind of took care of whatever, you know, Vince had in store to hose him over in the meantime. Um, but man, Randy Orton is just one of those dudes who you look at him and he can kind of work it all, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he just, he can, he can, he has that a little bit of that Shawn Michaels vibe. Like he can work really well as a heel. He can work really well as a fit. Fa- like he can kind of play whatever role you need. Yeah. Um, yep. And I, I guess I'm going to let that win out. I'm going to pick Randy on this one. Oh, interesting.
2: Interesting. Uh, I'm actually going to go with Daniel Bryan. He, he, Fair he, enough. Even though he's inactive for a little bit during this decade, he that yes movement and that run of his into WrestleMania 30 was just a storybook kind of you know run that that he had and and he took the fans on a ride an emotional one and uh and then he continued to do so you know when 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 he came when he finally came back and you know turned heel and 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 was doing the uh you know the gimmick there with uh you know being disgusted with everyone and that sort of thing it was just so well done so just I mean everything he he did was just was just right on the money so I'm gonna go with Daniel Bryant good choice All right, second to last from the first round matchup The Miz versus Mark Henry.
0: Uh, Well, now entering hour five. I'm glad we're finally getting to the end of this one. Yes. So
2: The Miz starts the decade as WWE Champion, um, main events WrestleMania. um, And then, uh, really, from there, you know, goes on to. you know, r- really opens up as more of an entertainer uh, than a world champion. You know, uh, basically doing um, tag with uh, with our uh, Truth uh, called the Awesome Truth. Um, he holds the Intercontinental Championship. He does a great thing. Um, you know, kind of towards the middle of the decade with Damian Sandow, who acts as a stunt double, so he becomes very <laughs> Hollywood. And to to the tune of when Miz is wrestling, Sandow is actually like mimicking everything like Miz is yes. doing in the ring on the outside. Yep, and ends up becoming. More overdoing that than he was as his original, like gimmick, um, which was hysterical, um. But uh, from there, um, goes on to win the Intercontinental Championship a few more times. Um, has some some really uh, you know really good feuds with like Daniel Bryant and others, and and really was looking to make the Intercontinental title you know like relevant again, and and really kind of playing up that that workman's aspect of the title during this time. As even though he's a heel, um, so he he just made the most of it um, you know with his run there. Um, but really, uh, yeah, just just a. A, an entertaining, uh, heel who, who really just, uh, you know, ran with the opportunity that was given him and, uh, and, and did well with it all. So, so very, very active decade for him. Um, and really is, is kind of a foundational part of, of the roster. I mean, he's always, he's always involved in some way, shape or form and, and, uh, you know, whether it's hyping things up, doing the stuff he did with Snoop Dogg or, or working with other celebrities. I mean, he's just right there in the mix. So, um, so Miz with a uh, pretty consistent and strong decade. And then we have Mark Henry who uh, enters the 2010s. Uh, you know, he had been ECW champion earlier or later in the 2000s. Now he's getting into the hall of pain character and, and he, he turns heel and becomes world heavyweight champion and just goes on a, on a run. And he is vicious and brutal and, and, you know, really, you know, inducting people into the hall of pain. And it was, it was such a great gimmick and he did so well with it, um, and then continues from 2013 on to be just kind of a, a, you know, a presence, a a superstar there, you know, really kind of a main event superstar, but not really ever, you know, capturing the title again, Um, dealing with some injuries along the way and then ultimately retiring in, in 2017. So uh, so yeah, so, you know, Mark Henry just kind of, you know, two thousands grew really had that building time period. And then, you know, the, Really, from twenty ten to twenty fifteen was his most successful time, and then he retired in twenty seventeen. So, uh, between Mark Henry and the Miz, or uh, who are you taking?
0: Uh, I hate doing this because I just. Uh... I'm gonna go with the Miz. I I I want to oh. root for I want to root for Mark Henry because I remember just how badly he was booked through the Attitude Era and all of the you know just all of that and and to finally get you know see like like final legit badass character and hit his stride that's that's cool. Man, I just ah, the Miz though. I mean, the, the freaking. I remember when he was on Road Rules. You know, like mm-hmm. come on. But yeah, you can't argue like. He had the better decade, which yeah. says a lot about, you know, WWE and and Vince, I guess. All
2: right. I'm actually going to go with Mark Henry on this one. Wow. I'm kind of shocked on that. You know, I... I... I understand Miz is still going strong and, and you know, was more active um, and I have advanced people because of that. But I I remember watching Mark Henry's Hall of Pain character and, and what he did and and he really transformed and, and he was a monster uh, during his run in, in the first half of that decade and really was uh, a force to be reckoned with. So uh, I, I just appreciated that from him and and, and felt, you know, he, he just made a, a great impact that way. So I'm going to go with Mark Henry on this one. Right on. All right. Last matchup, Kane. Last matchup of the first round. Kane versus Kevin Owens. So uh, we have Kane coming into the 2010s. Uh, world heavyweight champion. Uh, he then goes on to uh, put the mask back on and form Team Hell No with uh, Daniel Bryant. And they do some really, really entertaining bits there. Um, just really funny. Uh, becomes part of the authority and then um, basically starts to become uh, kind of an authority figure without the mask and in, in a business suit. Um, which was just very strange to see because Kane had always been just kind of the, uh, you know, the demon, so to speak. Um But then, uh, you know, he goes back, it looks like in, you know, 2015, he goes back to uh, being the mass cane, uh, in tag matches, but really, you know, from a career standpoint, his career is winding down at this point. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the character is kind of winding down as well. So he, he's just more of a, you know, consistent hand who can kind of jump in and, and be a part of different, uh, feuds and be some star presence, but, but really, you know, his his growth and his, his place in, in the world title picture is just, you know, kind of diminished at this point. So, so he basically, uh, you know, he makes it through the decade, but really just, you Know, and in you know, tag teams and 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 you know just participating in feuds. So um, so there's Kane and then Kevin Owens. Um sorry bring him up real quick. Uh Kevin Owens, another product of the indie wrestling scene, uh joins NXT in twenty if I can get to it, 2014. Um, but immediately as crown NXT champion, um, ha- has a, has a pretty long run with it. Um, even goes as NXT champion to, um, you know, to raw and challenges, uh, John Cena for the U S championship. Um, and, and really, you know, his book to look very strong against him, um, goes to the main roster becomes the, uh, the intercontinental champion, um, becomes a Universal Champion. Um, And, and holds that for a fair amount of time. Uh, and then, uh, through 2017 to 2019, you know, us champion, he's kind of in the conversation around that. And I think the intercontinental title, and then, um, and then I think he, I think he was teaming up with Zayn, or or just or feuding with him, or something like that during that time period. But just had some great matches, um, and then uh, you know had great matches with Daniel Bryan and others, um, AJ Styles. So yeah, just just a real consistent uh, time for him from 2014 on is as, as a you know, kind of main event presence and, and main, you know, r- real big star. And so, mm. uh, so strong, strong decade for Kevin, for Kevin Owens, even though it starts uh, around the 2014 time period. So who are you taking here? Kevin Owens or Kane?
0: Uh Kevin Owens. I mean, yeah. I mean, technically speaking, the prize fighter, once again, you can't coach height. No, you know, you can't coach size. If Kane were, you know, six, one, he probably would have been done a lot sooner, you know, but he was a big dude who could still perform and they could kind of throw him in wherever. Like you said, he was a good hand and had Mm -hmm. probably had a good attitude and got along with folks. But yeah, he, he was just there as a, he was a, he was a guy at that point.
2: I agree. I agree. Uh, I'm also going to take Kevin Owens. Uh, He is my pick as well to advance to the quarterfinals. All right, uh, let's see. Our quarterfinal first match for me, it is Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt. Who is it for you?
0: Uh, it's Brock Lesnar versus Shinsuke. All
2: right, well, for me, uh, as much as Bray is a creative mind and, and had done some very cool things during the decade, uh the the multiple world titles and universal championships and the you know breaking of the streak for the undertaker and being in the main event pretty much every dang wrestlemania it seemed like uh, i gotta go with brock lesnar here he he just had hands down the stronger decade
0: fair enough yeah how about you sir ladies and gentlemen cinderella's staying at the dance you're you're advancing shinsuke (laughs) No, I can't do that. I can't even. I can't even keep a straight face. It's a good thing this is on a video because it would have given it away. Lord, no, Lesnar. Lesnar goes. I,
2: <laughs> it's gonna be like, what the heck? Now I'm gonna have to do the wellness check.
0: <laughs> my, my hypocrisy only goes so far. Thank, th- thank you. Oh my gosh. Tim Uh, Tim had a little heart flutter there for a minute. Like, uh, uh."
2: advanced Shinsuke over Brock. What the heck? Oh, my gosh. That's funny.
0: All right. He put a tic tac under his tongue. He's like, "Uh, I need something. There we go. There we go.
2: All right. Next quarterfinal match uh, AJ Styles versus John Cena. Who are, sorry, that is for me. AJ Styles versus John Cena. Who is it for you? Same here. All right. Who are you advancing?
0: I mean, the doctor of thugonomics, of course. I mean, I, because, again, I, he was just booked so freaking strong. I mean, there's very few other, other wrestlers who are going to be able to stand up against that. You're, you're the one of the, if not the top guy in the biggest promotion on the planet. Whether, you know, the five moves of Doom or whether it's Cena sucks or what, you know, whatever era we're in here, you can't get around that. Like, he was drawing enough money, they kept him there. So, you know, as as good as AJ Styles is, it just doesn't match up to me with, with what John Cena did. You know, he, he just happened to be in the right place at the right time for two decades to really right. just kind of be sitting there right around the discussion at the top.
2: Well, as would happen to when when they faced off against each other, uh, there's a new face that runs this place, and his name is AJ Styles. I'm advancing ah, AJ.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, and I can see that too. I can totally see that, but I just I having not actually watched enough matches, I'm kind of just going on reputation. Yeah there's honest.
2: there's not a bad choice here. I mean, you you can make a case for either of these guys cuz you're absolutely right with Cena. You know, Cena has a strong decade and you know, in a lot of ways is is the reason AJ Styles, you know, is is you know, viewed as over and and viewed as as he is is because of the fact that he was able to go over Cena. This is probably around the time Cena starts to go more part time, and AJ Styles is, you know, really be, you know, he goes on that year long run where he's Mm -hmm. just having
0: these great matches. So,
2: so I mean, there, like I said, there isn't a wrong answer. So, uh, all right. So you're going to take John Cena. I'm going to take AJ Styles.
0: I love how you say this is not a wrong answer, but then when the way you say it is like, and you took the wrong answer. I didn't say that. That right there is a uh, man who has been around corporations for a long time. Be like, I, I didn't know say how, that. I know how to say uh, this without saying it. Ah, uh, indeed.
2: All right. Uh, our next quarterfinal match, Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan. Who you take? Sorry, that is for me. Seth Rollins versus Daniel Bryan. Who do you have?
0: I've got Rollins versus Orton. Ah, uh, okay. And who are you going with? <sighs> Again, having not seen this, I'm, I'm, I'm totally going on reputation and I'm trying not to, like, add in my own sort of, you know, thoughts about their, their current status. Uh, I'm going with Seth Rollins. Ah, good man. Good man. Very See, nice. right there, you're like, finally you got a right one.
2: Well, not exactly because I, in my bracket, I have Seth Rollins and Daniel Bryan and I'm going an to advance Daniel Bryan. So Wow. All right. That's what I'm going with. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, Uncle Todd advances. Seth Rollins. I advance Daniel Bryan. And now, in our final quarterfinal match, we have Kevin Owens versus. Oh, sorry, for me, I have Kevin Owens versus Mark Henry. Who do you
0: have, sir? I have The Miz versus Kevin Owens. All right, and who are you advancing? Here's the problem. Like, I I feel like this. Unfortunately, like, I feel like this is pretty damn even. Yeah, which it shouldn't be like in a just world. <laughs> this should not even be close. But unfortunately, we're, we're in Vince's sick, twisted world here. And mm-hmm. it is close Um, because unfor- whether you like it or not, the Miz was a main event star to begin the two- 2010s and somehow managed to cling on like a like a hemorrhoid or something. Um, <laughs> <Good> god <laughs> There's a comparison I wasn't expecting. <laughs> well, look at him. Doesn't he kind of look, like, uh, look like a human hemorrhoid to you? Or is that just uh, me? I don't know. I think it's just you. I feel, I feel like that's something that Bobby Heenan probably said at one point or another. Uh, probably. Um, however, I feel that Owens, you know, Owens, you know, run up through uh, NXT the the fact that you know he just is kind of a badass and that he did manage to finish the the decade on an upswing, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I I'm I'm at least justified in in putting him over the Miz, so I'll go with Owens.
2: All right, very good. I uh, also went with Kevin Owens over Mark Henry. Um, just felt uh, you know stacking the two of them together. I just feel like Owens had the stronger run and uh, you know really had, had a stronger run at kind of that main event level. So. I'm going to advance him. All right. So we're down to the semifinals. Yes. And who do you have in your first bracket? Because I'm just looking at mine and I can't remember from one to the other. I've
0: got the Beast versus uh, Big Match John.
2: Ah, all right. I have Brock Lesnar against AJ Styles. Mm. And this is where uh, I unfortunately have to part ways with one Alan Jones because <laughs> as much. And I forgot to mention just real quick. One fact that I forgot to mention is and this is part of this decade. He does have the distinction, AJ Styles, of having the Undertaker's last match uh, doing the uh, the. Uh, I forget what they call it. Was they the called boneyard the boneyard match. Yeah, like the boneyard match. But it was one of those theatrical sort of style. To, yeah, to it was the, it the, the, was the
0: pandemic uh, WrestleMania. Right. Right. Yeah. And, no, that was and that was actually really well done. Even though there was definitely some cheesy moments in it, overall yeah. well done for what it was. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. So Especially the though, smack
0: talk between the two of them. That I oh, thought yeah. that was actually the best part of the match. You know? Yes.
2: Yes. That that was, yeah, that, that brought a, a very unique feel to it. And so, uh, but this is where I part ways with Alan Jones, because it's very, very difficult to uh, as great as a run as he had in the decade. Lesnar, once again, just the resume is hard to beat. And so Lesnar with the F5 on AJ Styles advances to the finals.
0: Yeah. And uh, in my case, As Paul Heyman has many times said, work or shoot, the result is the same. Uh, (laughs) Brock Lesnar does what Brock Lesnar wants to do. And in this case, Brock Lesnar wants to advance to the next round. So far be it for me to argue with uh, Mr. Lesnar.
2: All right. And then in my uh, other semifinal bracket, I have Daniel Bryan against Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a tough one because their resumes are very, very similar. Um, and in, and you might even think I'd give Owens the nod because Bryan actually ends up having to be inactive for several years. But there, there's just something about the run that he had with the Yes Movement and, and just like everything that he did and how he connected with the audience – um, taking nothing away from Owens. Owens is, is you know, a great superstar in his own right. But in this decade, um, Daniel Bryan is in the conversation an awful lot, and, and i got to give him the nod on this one going to the finals. Uh, so I'm going to take Daniel Bryan.
0: Who did you have? I had Seth Rollins, not quite Seth freaking Rollins, and Kevin Owens.
2: Ah, okay. And what is your ruling on this semifinal match?
0: Oh <sighs> It's kind of tough. Like, uh, again, I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like this is a pretty even match, uh, but I'm going with Rollins. Wow. All right. Very good. Very good. Which sets Your... up a rather interesting final, if you think about it.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, my final bracket is uh, Brock Lesnar against, uh, you know, the Beast against the underdog, Daniel Bryan, and you are going to have Brock Lesnar against the architect, Seth Rollins. Yes. So, With that being said, sir, uh, do I need to guess who you're going with? Uh,
0: You know, you love to sing his song. Um, Oh. oh, oh, But unfortunately, that's not – a song and a dance ain't going to do much for Brock because (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> Much like Rocky said, the reason he fights is because he can't sing or dance. Uh, Brock That's just right. don't feel like singing or dancing. He just wants to whoop somebody's ass, especially in mm-hmm. this decade. We didn't get the smiling, uh, jovial cowboy hat. Howdy, folk. Uh, mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar in this decade. Uh, we had Suplex City, and the only time he cracked a smile was right before he just like completely demolished our truth. When he yes. declared for the Royal Rumble and then undeclared for the Royal Rumble, yes. which is one of the funniest things. Like, you're a big, big Big, man, <laughs> and I'm going to put you over the top rope. Paul Heyman. <laughs> Which was great. That was great. Uh, I'll make sure I link that too. I'm, I'm keeping track of some of these videos. Actually,
2: you also need to link when, um, Lesnar won the money in the bank. And I think it was in 2019. And there's that one, um, Oh my gosh. I, f- I forget. I forget the time of year. I f- it was on raw. But there's this part, I think it was with Rollins. I think Rollins was champion at the time, and Brock doesn't realize that he has the entire has an entire year to cash this thing in. Mm-hmm. And there's this great moment where he's like, "I have a year." And he goes and he looks at Paul Heyman and he starts beating Paul Heyman in the head with the contract. You remember that? Like She's like, no. why didn't you tell me, you boob? You know, it's one of those moments.
0: I don't remember that.
2: <laughs> and then Lesnar goes back to the mic and he's like, I got a whole year. I mean, he looked like a complete doofus the way he did it, but it was so well done. And, and Heyman's rea- – go back and watch it because Heyman's reaction is just priceless. He's like – He's like, "Why didn't you tell me? I thought you I thought you knew." And Brock's like, "I didn't know." "You didn't know." And then he starts smacking him around with the contract. It was just absolutely just gold heman in that moment. It was so oh good, gosh. so well done. So Lesnar can be very entertaining when he wants to be.
0: Well, yeah. Um okay, I'm going to let you send me that uh, send me that link when you get a chance. But, I will do so. All right. So yeah, uh Lesnar versus Rollins for me and Lesnar versus uh, Brian I was gonna say Brian Danielson, but Daniel Bryan, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. for you, uh, who are you going with?
2: It was his decade, Brock Lesnar, hands down.
0: Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it is the decade. It literally beast. was his
2: decade. I mean, he missed two years, but he made the the eight that he was there just in crazy impactful and was really the cornerstone of of the of the company. Um, so yeah, no, Brock gets it. Yep. WWE looks very differently if he's not in the conversation in that decade. I, I not saying they wouldn't have done well, but he brought a lot of big time main events to their to their uh, pay-per-views. And I don't think that would have happened without him
0: so no so we both agree the wrestler of the 2010s is brock lesnar indeed which does set up now we've uh, do you have all of our picks here for the final so, four
2: yeah so if you if you go to our google drive i did create a final four wrestling bracket. So you're gonna have to run that um i, I didn't fill them in
0: oh, um run that where is i'm where is this
2: oh, Actually here, let me do it. I'll, I'll fill it. So t- tell me who your four are and I'll do it real quick.
0: Well, I, I don't even know. All, all of a sudden now Google drive has frozen for me
2: by the way, as well. Okay. I put it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm running with it. <laughs> oh wait, so, no,
0: I see it. I see you, the final four now. Well, I you have Hulk Hogan, right? Yes. And right, so you, Stone Cold. and then Stone who, Cold Steve Austin. Who the heck did I have for the 2000s? Let me look at this. Oh, wait, no, that's the old one that you made me redo. John Cena you had. I had John Cena for the 2000s. I did. Huh. You did. And then Would you had, you had look Brock Lesnar. No, I had Triple H for the 2000s. Oh, did you? You're looking at the old one. Hold on, Shmooley. Yeah, I know. Because it's wrestling bracket underscore V1. This is how the. Now you folks oh, no, are getting no, to no, see no, how, no, how the no. sausage is made. No, no,
2: no, no. That, that's oh, the so, old one. That's okay. the old
0: one. You had Kurt Angle. You had Kurt Angle. All right. So you we were both managed to be. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> know, oh, good. oh, my gosh. We don't need to live up to the name quite in this way, do we? Brand loyal, baby. Brand
2: loyal. All right. All right. So. One, one second. I'm, I'm running the bracket
0: for you. Running the bracket. You're here. running the bracket.
2: Getting it generated for you. Okay. So now if you open up Todd final four, Oh, hold on a second. What the heck?
0: I think I just, I opened it too soon. One second. <laughs> I okay. Got, I got click happy.
2: Go ahead and open it. You now have your final four bracket set. Um, I have my final four bracket set as well. Ah, uh, yes. So let me know when you're ready to read them off and we'll go through it.
0: I, I mean, I can do this. I've been, I did this whole bracket while we were talking. So, I mean, I, the, we just go right ahead and start, sir. <laughs>
2: All right, so uh, my four were, uh, and, and the way these matchups are going break to break down are, I'm going to have Jake the Snake Roberts, my selection from the 1980s, against John Cena, my selection from the 2000s. And then I'm going to have Brock Lesnar, who I just selected for the 2010s, against the man who didn't want to face him in Raw, but rather on a pay-per-view, Stone Cold Steve Austin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Seems fair. How about on your side? What, what's, what's your grouping? I have Brock Lesnar going up against Hulk Hogan. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kurt Angle.
2: All right. All right. So let me... Do uh, you want a minute here? Or, or let's just talk through it. So my my first round, or my whatever you want to call it, uh, semifinal here, Jake Roberts and John Cena.
0: Two polar opposites. Oh, my gosh. You this is hard. You couldn't get any further apart than where these this, two are. And we're just talking about heroin usage. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Oh, Lord, come I mean, on, man! <laughs> Snake smoking crack in the locker room. John Cena oh, probably doing God. push-ups before he does like a Make a Wish, you know, appearance.
2: It pains me to do this, but, um, you know, I picked Jake Roberts because he he was the villain of the 1980s, and he had one of the coolest finishers. But you know, John Cena, yeah, you know, the resume is is just that is just too. You know, too much to ignore. You know, you can't you can't reason it really uh, in any other way. It's got to be John Cena advancing uh, as much as I enjoy Jake Roberts' work. Yeah. So that is my first round matchup uh, or my my semifinal. What is your uh, first semifinal?
0: We got Brock versus Hulk, uh-huh. and this is tough because I could you can break this down any number of ways uh, because Hulk Hogan really. The the kickstart of Hulkamania you you can make a very valid argument that we don't have WWF slash WWE mid eighties on the way mm-hmm. it is now without Hulk Hogan because mm-hmm. WrestleMania was built around the persona and how friendly Hulk Hogan was to the masses and accessible. Um, and how they were able to kind of attach the, the rock and wrestling thing to him and, mm-hmm. and, and and his feud with Andre and all that like if those if those things don't line up over those first three years of WrestleMania and then of course the, the previous couple years before that when they're kind of building through all that, WW I mean wrestling isn't what it is now where it went from these these regional things and and kind of this you know lowbrow entertainment to something that then people were talking about. And and was very popular, mm-hmm. um, just nationwide. Brock Lesnar, man, I mean, brought this like big fight, legitimate sort of badass, athletic freakishness that really, especially in the 2010s, really helped propel WWE to this other place. Yep, where yep. you know it was nice that they were they were bringing in all these other guys, but if you don't have that one guy that you can just lean on. Mm -hmm. sort of like they leaned on hulk hogan back in the 80s -hmm. you need that like main structural tent pole to build around and brock was that in the 2010s so legitimate like both are generational once in a lifetime sort of talents who were there at the right time the right place you know uh, men of their time if you will to Mm -hmm. to to grab a, a line from the big lebowski that you probably didn't expect that to relate to wrestling, but um, and then after that, I've unfortunately now we're going we're down to t- like other tiebreakers here, um, because now it goes down to well, who can actually work, and in that case, Brock wins. Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, God love him, Hulk Hogan, you know, because yeah. now we're looking at the entirety of the career, mm-hmm. Hulk was who Hulk was. And yep. could honestly be, uh, could be just as bad for business as he could be good for it. Mm-hmm. um. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Brock.
2: All right. All right. Makes sense. All right, sir. Uh, so let's see. So you have Brock Lesnar in your finals. I have John Cena in my finals. So my, my next semi-final match to close out my final four is now Brock Lesnar.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: this is a tough one against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm. And this is a tough one because, you know, if if you slice it in terms of impact to the business and, you know, just the the rocket ship that was, uh, you know, Austin 316, uh, you know, I I think Austin, you know, definitely comes out on top on, you know, just on that. But when you also look at the run that, that he was on. And if you consider, um, and, and, and I, I, guess we didn't really talk about this, but I guess for talking through this, are, are we considering the breadth of their work now across decades? Because Austin, oh, yeah. Goes, yeah, you have I mean, to, you, you have to, um, you know, you have Austin who, you know, really is, is, you know, from 97 to about 2003. So about probably six years. Um, you know, is is the man and and has the run and uh, but then of course has to has to you know kind of end his career probably earlier than he needed to um, you know based on the injuries. Um, so so based on just you know star power and impact, you know Austin head and shoulders above Brock. But then when you look at longevity, Brock comes in in two two thousand two, um, stays till about four5 disappears. You know goes and does UFC. You know tries to you know, uh, have a stint in the NFL comes back in 2012 and becomes now the, the man that, that everyone has to, you know, conquer for the next eight to now 10 years. Um, and is always in that conversation. Um, you know, then I have to lean toward Brock because Brock has the longer run and has the longer consistent run of being the champion and breaking the undertaker streak and just being this, this beast as he is billed as, um, that is really, you know, now the measure that everyone must overcome. And, you know, Austin didn't have that, you know, Austin had, you know, he, he, he was the badass. he, he, he was the man fighting his boss and, and, you know, he had great matches and was a ring technician. But, you know, when I compare the two of them, I unfortunately have to. I I say unfortunately because I'm a very big Austin fan. I I enjoyed his work when he was, uh, you know, Stunning Steve, and and I enjoyed his work in ECW and then in WWE. But uh, but uh, you know, when you stack them against each other, I think Brock has the stronger career, and so uh, I'm going to advance Brock Lesnar over Stone Cold Steve Austin
0: why do I feel like both of us when we're do- when we get especially when we get to this point we are totally like Vizzini from the Princess Bride like I surely cannot accept the ble- the the cup in front of you so I surely cannot <laughs> drink out of the cup in front of me i like it-
2: <laughs>
0: I know I know it is funny it is funny it's like we're debating oh. like which child is our favorite like my god this is wrestling and it we're is. breaking this down seven ways from Sunday
2: hey it's part of the analysis is what people have been waiting for you know two hours and 40 minutes for so oh,
0: I don't know if they've been waiting I think there's People like, me. yeah, they all <laughs> fell asleep when you started talking about Cesaro and they've been out ever since. Yeah. <laughs> Cesaro starts you at every turn. Oh my God. All right. What's your uh, semi-final bracket, sir? I have stone cold Steve Austin versus Kurt Angle, which is hilarious because they've had so many <laughs> shared comedic moments together as well as like just back and forth moments of like, you know, the, the beer truck. And then you have the milk truck. I mean, it's just, it's wacky stuff all the way around. Yeah. Uh, um, yep. I mean, Kurt, I mean, honestly, uh, like I said, one of those guys who, like a like a Bret Hart, just a technician in the ring, mm-hmm. solid worker mm-hmm. and really was just a, a great heel right out of the gate.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Got to grasp the business very quickly uh, or at least like going in and realizing like, oh, and this is how this thing works. OK, let yeah. me just lean into that. But then was also able to be, um, you know, also work as as a good guy, as a face uh, to the point now where, you know them fans chanting you suck is a term of endearment which is (laughs) a lovely thing quite honestly uh you know but man what is the business without austin Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i mean honestly what would what would things have looked like for kurt angle i mean he just would have been a generic guy whereas the fact that things got so out of, out of whack in the Attitude Era from where everything had been before, it made Kurt stand out like a sore thumb as, yeah. as kind of the goody-goody, like to function as a goody-goody heel. Not normally the thing, you know, mm-hmm. but it it made, it made that, that character possible as, as, and to be as effective as it was. Um, so I'm going with Stone Cold. As, as right. much as I admire Kurt's work and, and his character work and his mm. ring work, man, Stone Cold kind of made that possible.
2: Yep. Agreed.
0: Can't argue it. Mm. Can't argue it.
2: All right. So your final for greatest of all time is Brock Lesnar versus Stone Cold. How apropos. I just had to deal with that one in my semis. Mm-hmm. And my greatest of all time is, finals is uh, Brock Lesnar versus John Cena. Uh, hmm. you, do you want to go first? You want me to go first?
0: Uh, either way, we're going to have some sort of an argument or a fight here. So, I mean, you'd cruise. <laughs> <lose. laughs>
2: All right, I'll start. So for my final of John Cena and Brock Lesnar... Uh, This one's, this one's hard because if, if you're going to stack it across the decades and across time, then, you know, cena has got a 20 year career of consistently being at the top, um, and being the man who, you know, really the promotion is on his shoulders, uh, it seems constantly, um, Lesnar has, you know, a decade, um, as well, uh, you know, even going into this decade, he's still active, um, and, and is, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, moving on to 11 years here since his return in 2012 of part-time work, but of being the guy who is the draw for the main event. Uh, and, you know, again, he has the distinction of being the one who ended the undertaker's undefeated streak, which, you know, sounds silly, but at, you know, it, it, it is going to be something that's never going to be seen again. You know, mm-hmm. there, there isn't going to be another wrestler who's going to have, you know, that kind of streak with that kind of meaning for a long time. No, if they ever do it again. And him being the man to do it, you know, looking back, I, you know, when it first happened, I, I didn't understand it. I thought it was more appropriate for someone like Bray Wyatt, you know, to do it because then he would be, you know, since he was in kind of the same domain as, as, you know, where the undertaker roams, that it would make sense that, you know, dark creature, you know, loses to younger dark creature and, and, you know, kind of builds Bray up and allows him to have, you know, that, that, you know, get, get the shine from doing that. Um, but, looking back, Lesnar was the right guy he he was believable or is believable you know as as a a wrecking machine of a human being, and you can see him taking a guy the size of the undertaker out and and being able to put him away um and so you know putting them both together it it's so hard to you know as I'm sitting here trying to figure it out um why don't you come back to me? Why don't you make your argument and then we'll, 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 make, we'll make our pick. How, how about oh, we do that? Oh,
0: you twerp. You <laughs> weasel. Uh, you rocked me right to sleep like I was listening to a Cesaro promo. Okay. Oh, just stop it. So Brock Lesnar versus Stone Cold. Uh, and for all the reasons that that you've listed, uh, Brock Lesnar is, it should be a very obvious choice here. He's a, he's a freak of a human being. Um. And if you don't believe me, just ask Paul Heyman, who will tell you just how much of a freak of a human being this guy is. And the fact that, like, he took time off to go to UFC only in, like, even though you can't really count it as experience, in my air quotes are, are going at that moment, for WWE or for wrestling, you can't help but acknowledge, like, well, it's not like he took a couple of years off and, you know, walked through South America or was like, you know. Collecting butterflies, he was le- now legitimately beating the hell out of people instead of like pseudo fake beating the hell out of people. It's still very impressive, um, and 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 having that long dominance and always being like the the measure of just how good you are if you're if they're going to put you over him, mm-hmm. you know, being mm-hmm. that yardstick that everybody has to measure up to. Yeah. And ultimately, this comes down to, it's like the Hendrix-Clapton argument. Eric Clapton's greatness is not that he is the most revolutionary guitar player ever. Uh In fact, you you can make a very strong case that if you really wanted to, you know, and there's a lot of people who now kind of feel not great about Eric Clapton because some comments that he made back in the past and, mm-hmm. and seem to have apologized for, but now seem to be kind of more in line with who he is, uh, you know, and also just a bunch of other stuff that he, making him not sound like as good of a dude as, you know, people might have thought at one point, but the, the greatness of his musicality is that literally everything he does sounds good. That's that's that is his musical genius, because you could listen to the people who have influenced him and go, oh, I don't really even need to listen to Eric Clapton. I can just go listen to all of Freddie King's records and I get all of the blues, you know, all of the blues, uh, you know, kind of upbringing that he took out of. He c- hopped a ton of that from Freddie King, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. OK, I don't I can just now not listen to Eric Clapton. Um But. You look at his career and therefore you like, oh my, well, he, he wrote Layla and he did this and that and the other, because of course, you know, he's lived all these years and has had all that experience. So he's gotten to be in Cream as well as, you know, uh, you know, on his own and, and all of this other stuff that he managed to do. Whereas Jimi Hendrix really had a functionally a very short career, you know, only so many albums, only a few years of really being a a, a name in the in the music scene. However it comes down to like that dude revolutionized the way that people thought of what was possible with a electric guitar. Like it fundamentally changed how people perceived what could be done with, you know, these pieces of wood and wire because people were like, what the hell is that? And what are you doing? And how is that working? And okay, that thing is possible. In a way, that comes down to Austin and 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 Lesnar. Austin changed what people thought a wrestler and a, a wrestling character could be and do, transcended the business. You had Austin 316 shirts everywhere. And and the the idea of the anti-hero being that much of an anti-hero. I mean, there have been anti-heroes in in wrestling just like there have been anti-heroes in books and movies and stuff like that before, took it to a new direction and level and change the business change the entire business and I know that I argued before for you know Brock over Hulk and getting down to work and all that in this case I'm going with more of my gut and and to me like Brock probably doesn't even want to be in WWE if Austin hadn't been there in the same way that Kurt Angle wouldn't have functioned as great as a character is if Stone Cold hadn't been there so in that way, like I kind of got gotta go with Stone Cold. It's a shorter career and not he's not even as good of a maybe a ring technician as Brock was or, or is a, a legitimate tough guy, but there's no Brock Lesnar in the WWE if if Stone Cold doesn't essentially like hold up the entire attitude era on his shoulders. So Stone Cold Steve Austin.
2: Wow. All right. All right. A respectable picture. Did I give you enough time pick.
0: to to figure that one out?
2: Um, yes, and I think you'll be a little surprised by, by my selection. Um, but uh, between John Cena and Brock Lesnar, I, I think as you were as you were uh, making your case, I was considering the fact too that um, when we look at John Cena's career uh, of you know twenty plus years, uh, full time. Uh, and and being that cornerstone of the company throughout that period, um, which is really unparalleled. You know, Hogan didn't even have. I mean, H- Hogan probably had what? Like, I mean, I guess Hogan went twenty years, but of him being the actual star, yeah. You know, ten or fifteen at most, maybe. Um, but uh, you know, to be the man for that amount of time and to have the entire you know company and and promotion built around you. Um, and, and be, and be doing it day in and day out. Um, I think I'm going to give the nod to John Cena on this one. Lesnar, Lesnar is the beast. Lesnar has had a remarkable run this past, you know, you know, 12, sorry, 11 years, I think I said, um, and is dominant and is great. But Lesnar has also been, you know, and and I hate to use this, but he's been part-time and he's, he's, you know, he's been brought in to draw money for the events and he does that very well. But Cena has been not only that man, he's been the workhorse. And, uh, and so for that reason, and, and, you know, in the same way you argued, you know, you can't imagine Lesnar without Austin. I don't know where WWE would be without John Cena because he Mm -hmm. is, he is that cornerstone that all their feuds, you know, big feuds, big money feuds were built on. And without him, I don't, know how the company, you know, if the company is as successful as it could, as, as it, as it was. So, um, so it's a difficult one. Cause I'm, I'm in the bag for Brock big time. I, I love the look. I love what he does, but I got to give props where it's due and You know, I'm not a full on Cena fan. I mean, I was I was uh, when my sons were watching with me, they were the Cena fans and I was the AJ Styles fan. And, you know, they they were so bugged at me when Styles would keep beating. But um, but it was that time for him to put the new guy over. And uh, but John Cena, you know, has has my respect. And so I will uh, for for my finals pick uh, select one John Cena.
0: Wow, I would not have seen John Cena coming out the top of your bracket. I nope. I would have picked Jake the Snake Roberts. Yep. Winning that before I would have picked uh the Doctor of Thugonomics, but hey. Yeah. I I can see it. I see where you're coming from, sir.
2: All right. So John Cena for me and Stone Cold Steve Austin for you. I think uh two two cornerstones of the business and uh uh it it, it took us uh, 8 hours and uh <laughs> Whew, geez. <laughs> well actually no, more like twelve hours. I think these are like three hour episodes, aren't right?
0: they? I like, don't I don't even want to think about it. Oh, I'm my not gosh. adding them. All up. right. But yeah, well, so now folks, uh, you can send your thoughts and opinions on how much we've mucked this up. You send those to Tim <laughs> at freerange because I don't care. Tim cares a lot though, and he'll he'll gladly debate sir, you lively. This- Style. This has been
2: an absolute joy to to do with you and to put together. And, and it, it was every bit as fun as I thought it was going to be. And it was fun for me to review all this history of, of these wrestlers and remember back who is big when and, uh, and kind of go through it all. I'm, I'm sorry that, uh, my, my enthusiasm got the better of me, and we ended up having play-in brackets as large as the actual bracket we intended. So,
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, is, this has been interesting for me. Uh, I'm, unfortunately for a lot of our listeners, it's like a root canal performed by a proctologist. It's been taken the long way around. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. We will now conclude oh, this March God. Madness midway, more than midway through April. It is April seventeenth. So, Good God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, back in back in February, this seemed like such a great idea. Like, oh yeah, we'll just zip right through those. It will be still is. We'll be done by the time WrestleMania comes around. Hardy them with a sixty-four man bracket. I tell you. Yeah, and just like most dreams, those died pretty quickly. Oh, yeah.
1: And another thing.
0: All right, sir. Well, what have you got for And Another Thing this week?
2: Uh, My And Another Thing is a movie uh, that came out recently. Saw it over the weekend uh, with uh, my wife, and it is called Air. It is with uh, Chucky and Will Hunting, uh, (laughs) Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, respectively. Where to for unto which... uh, (laughs) Phantom's Ben Affleck. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, But telling the story of uh, how Nike uh, basically landed Michael Jordan as uh, you know their their key uh, marketing individual uh, with the Air Jordan shoes and uh, and and really landing really how he you know, became the face of and and grew their their basketball department, which was quite sad at the time. Um, This movie was uh, just a pleasure to watch. It is a great piece of 80s nostalgia, um, a lot of great music in it, Um, really well done to the tune of of movies like Moneyball and uh, The Social Network. just a uh, great dialogue and, and really focuses on, on, you know, the the right things without overdoing it. Um, and, and really just showing that, you know, telling that story of, of, you know, really Nike kind of being the underdog in this bidding war and, and really, um, you know, how uh, Matt Damon's character, um, you know, really uh, was able to convince him and his parents, not through, you know, shiny and, 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 uh, you know, uh, like like giving them a lot of money or, or, or shiny things or anything like that, but really by the the belief in who their son was going to be, uh, and and seeing you know the greatness in him, um, you know from from the way he would play, and so, uh, and and then also the you know the thing that was really and sorry if I'm spoiling this for everyone, but really the thing that was kind of interesting was um, not realizing how Jordan. Um, because of the deal that he brokered with or the deal his mom brokered with Nike that, um, you know, he, he really uh, pil- or pioneered um, the way for athletes to have a cut of these sorts of deals, um, whereas before they wouldn't. So, um, you know, because his name was on the shoe and because he was the selling point of the shoe, he was, you know, they, they negotiated that he get a cut of the actual revenue, which was something that wasn't going on at the time. Um, you know, the, 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 the companies would pay the players an amount, but they wouldn't pay them anything after that, you know, for, Mm -hmm. for whatever they sold. And so it it was a very interesting, um, story. And, and you came to find out, um, Matt Damon's character, his name is Sonny something, I forget it already, but. But he also went on uh, over this last decade, um, helped uh, argue a case and win, I think, a case uh, for college students to um, be able to get paid for, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the sponsorships that, that they get and, and, you know, their name being on products and that sort of thing. So, so just a very interesting story, but told in a very effective way. And so I would highly encourage it. If you haven't seen it uh, yet, please go see Air. Uh, Chucky and Will Hunting will not uh, disappoint per usual. There to four, unto which, and uh retainer. Oh my gosh.
0: Retainer. Uh, you just love you some goodwill hunting. And I you know do. what? I can't blame you for that. Yes. Suspect. <laughs> As usual for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me How about you, sir? Uh I don't really have a, a movie or a piece of music or a book per se. Uh I've been I've been busy uh I've been busy doing all the projects that I have not done over the past eight months since moving into my new house. And so they there, there to for uh, I haven't seen or or done much that hasn't been on the show. So um, <laughs> what I'm going to recommend, though, is uh, something I've, I was thinking about uh, as I was doing some of those projects this past uh, weekend is uh, I just want to encourage people to uh, to go out and do something you're not. Maybe you're not very good at, but you enjoy. Ah, Um, because, uh, for me, I, I spent Saturday afternoon into the evening building a bunch of shelves for my basement and it's, yeah, it's not a big deal. I could have bought shelves, but I, I kind of did a little bit of quick math and realized, huh, I can actually build bigger shelves that'll hold more stuff and be more in line with what I want as long as I just buy the materials and build it myself rather than buying, you know, like pre-made plastic or metal shelves or whatever, and, and still having to put them together. Uh, so i I went and bought a whole bunch of lumber and some screws and, and got to, to cutting into working. And I remembered, you know, just how much I enjoy building stuff. I'm not really good at it. You know, you don't want me building the cabinets for your, your, uh, your bathroom or your kitchen. You don't want stuff that I'm building out in front of people you know as a showpiece <laughs> for your home I'll build stuff that'll stand up it's not like it's going to collapse it's just not going to look that pretty you know like that's just not my thing is fine carpentry however I I just enjoy the I the fact that I finished this project and I got to look around I'm like wow I built those things those are that's cool and now I can reorganize my cellar and get stuff kind of where I've I've been planning on doing it for like the last half a year um, but it also just made me think in a, in a wider sense, like in the in the kind of the world we're in right now with social media and and just everyone you know seemingly wanting to be an influencer or you know everything has to be a side hustle or oh, yeah, you like doing that. Well, you' really ought to sell them. It's like, man, just have some stuff that maybe you're not pressuring yourself to be the best at, and you, but you enjoy it. Go ahead and do it. You know, it doesn't have to be a side hustle or, you know, you don't have to be the best thing, best at it in the world. Just whether it's, you know, playing sports or playing music or or building stuff or, you know, some sort of art, you know, like maybe you enjoy oil painting and you you don't ever think you're going to be in a museum. Well, that's fine. You know, just. Do it because you enjoy it, and and just let it be the enjoyment of the thing. I guess that's my my little bit of encouragement after like three and a half hours of me just being a snide jerk. I want to try and redeem myself here. And pass along a little positivity you an apology to Cesaro if you apology to anyone. I would, but I'd fall asleep midway through. Oh, good. Just lord. thinking about the guy. Good lord. You're welcome. R O H world champion right now. Uh, that's nice and that and like five bucks will get you a latte at starbucks oh my gosh actually they might charge you more because it will be like how do you spell your name of course they would have it with like a be like cesaro with a k or something you know anyways well uh ladies and gentlemen we do so much thank you uh we have come now to the end of our seven hour excursion here through the final region and final four of our wildly misnamed uh march madness wrestler bracket we thank you for listening we thank you for tuning in if you have not yet subscribed and become part of the free range adc congregation what the hell is wrong with you all you got to do is you go to adc.com and you can download all of our episodes there either individually or all together you can also subscribe right through the Podbean app if you're of the opinion that you know what you've got enough apps in your life you know just go find a the podcast purveyor of your choice and search for free range adc I'm sure you'll find us. We are on pod. Uh, we are on Podbean. Just got just said that. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on uh, Samsung Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on Pandora. Uh, many, many, many others. You can find us. Go ahead and search it out. You can also find us on the social medias. If you you can also find us on the YouTube's. Uh, full episodes are available there. So if you just want to get your podcast fixed through the youtubes go right ahead and search for us it's at free range EDC. we're also on facebook and instagram both of those are at free range Idiocy as well as i mentioned earlier if you have any questions thoughts if you have you have a, a bone to pick with how our brackets turned out well then the person you want to talk to is tim at free range EDC.com and he will yes. respond to all of those concerns and thoughts And opinions, uh, because I don't want anything to do with them. And he will get back to you heretofore, forthwith, PDQ. Ooh, a little bit of gas. Anyways, now I'm going to hand this over to the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show. That would be the man they call Tim. But not before I ask the second most important question ever uttered by human lips. The first, of course, being what is hip. The second being, what the hell did we learn this week? We learned the following, my friend.
2: Mm-hmm. We have learned that the sci-fi gods are smiling upon us right now with, with strong outings from both Star Trek Picard and The Mandalorian. A. And we are strapped in and ready for what is going to be a finale week uh, that we will be talking at length about in the not-too-distant
0: uh, future. Actually, we're not strapped in because in both of those shows, seatbelts don't exist. Fair enough. Fair enough. Remember when they? Remember which, which movie was it when Kirk had had his seat and the little the armrest like went over the thighs as like a token like safety feature? Remember Ooh. that? Uh, that only made it like one movie, and, and they were just like that. That's so ridiculous. One? I don't think it was the. Maybe it was the first one. I don't. know. Was it four? We were on the
2: Klingon ship. I don't remember. No,
0: it wasn't the Klingon ship. It was it was an Enterprise of uh, some sort. I'll maybe I'll uh, track it down if I'm interested. Proceed, uh, sir.
2: Uh, we've also learned that uh, Uncle Todd is, has an unfair uh, opinion of Cesaro. He is a dynamo and an energetic <laughs> lad who needs to be recognized for his uh, athletic greatness and greatness in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Curly, wake up. Oh, oh no.
0: God. You done? <laughs> you done with the show?
2: <laughs> no, not quite. Oh, not quite. We have also learned... suddenly sleepy uh, there for some reason. That when we say March brackets, what we really mean are spring brackets, because they, <laughs> they, they go a little bit beyond March into, into
0: April, so... damn uh, near got to summer. <laughs> <laughs> we're halfway we're kind like there. The,
2: kind of like the NBA Finals, you know? Oh, True. Um, and, uh, we've also learned that, uh, after going through this and evaluating four decades of wrestling, we have settled on uh, John Cena and Stone Cold Steve Austin as, as the, the immortals of, uh, of the WWE wrestling, uh, world. There's so, so
0: many people pissed off at us right now. That's going to be great. I'm
2: are. sure the Especially. internet will be
0: very understanding.
2: Indeed. Indeed. Uh, with all that being said, as Uncle Todd has uh, mentioned already, and I will reinforce, we do thank you very much uh, for the listenership and for bearing with us on this 12-hour odyssey that we have gone on. We hope you have uh, returned your seat to its upright position and locked the tray table uh, as it is intended to be as we land this plane known as the Free Range at DC podcast so with that being said uh thank you again and be safe be healthy be kind be good to one another and well we probably racked up quite an electric bill leaving the lights on for 12 straight hours doing this whole thing so uh, if you would please hit the lights on the way out
1: it's like
0: i took the wrong week to
1: quit drinking
2: I think you've had about enough.
0: Well, I th- I think you're wrong, you increasingly attractive-looking woman. You know you're you're really pretty. Oh, stop. No, I'm I'm serious. You could you could be in magazines. You you could. You can and not just like Jugs or or Creamsicle. I beg your pardon. What did you say? Call me. She won't call.
1: Damn. You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you.
0: Oh, here's a pleasant sight. is the Wonder Dog. Who do you think is going to be most... Who would be most mad? What fan group would be most mad with our picks? Well, I'm thinking Uncle
2: Corny probably doesn't like a couple of them.
0: Oh, God. Oh, oh I, I don't know if he would... Well, he would like Angle and, and Lesnar in and mine. I don't think, I don't know how much, and he would like Jake in yours, but he would probably also go, what, are you crazy? He didn't draw that much money. I mean, Cena was a solid worker. I don't see why he'd be upset with Cena. Ah, yeah. I, could, get, I could see that.
2: I don't know. I, you know, I'm sure there's a fair number of folks who probably didn't like my skimming of, of Wikipedia to go through all the accolades of each of these, uh, wrestlers. Cause there's probably some significant feuds and, and events that we just glossed over in the interest of time.
0: I think, I think both of us should stay out of Philadelphia for the next couple of years. That's what I think.
2: Well, th- that is true. I mean, we, we did completely punt on ECW and, uh, they were pretty significant in the 90s so yeah, yeah. There's, there's probably some folks not thrilled with that we'd wind up in a trunk somewhere if we stopped there that was, Yeah, Indeed. Let's, just, let's just avoid that yep. let's just send Patrick out to Philly
0: you know what surprisingly he'd probably make it out
1: <laughs> now get the hell out of here <laughs>